0: This is Ian Sattler, Senior Story Editor at DCU. Hi, this is Lindsay DeFilibis. And
1: Christine O'Leary.
0: Hi, this is Kevin Vandal. Hi, this is Libra Mayo. Hi, this is Brian Azrello.
1: Hi, this is Matt Wagner, author of Batman and the Monster Man and Batman and the Mad Monk. Hey, this is Mike Martz, Batman Group Editor. Hey, this is Ethan Van <laughs> Skybro. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. This is Robert Kreenberger. This is Jerry Robinson. Hey, this is uh, Wilf Percaccio. This is Adam Beechon, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 112. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Don. This is Joe.
2: And this is Stella.
1: And we are bringing you the latest news and comic book reviews from the weeks of March 3rd through March 16th. We have a total of four books that we will be covering on this episode, and there actually is a decent chunk of news to cover so without further ado let's get straight into news. Making news today as everyday Gotham's own financial Czar Derek Powers rocked the stock market by acquiring several local industrial firms. Everyone loves a winner, right Kim? The very first thing we have, uh we 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 talked about this on the last podcast on March 4th it was revealed on Comic Resources, uh the lineup that will take place uh with Batman and Robin since as we know Uh, it will no longer be called Batman and Robin. So just real quickly, number 19 will be Batman Red Robin, number 20 will be Batman Red Hood, number 21 will be Batman and Batgirl, 22, Batman and Catwoman, and number 23, Batman and Nightwing. So, um, they're actually, we're not going to talk about this that much right now because we actually do have a listener Q&A that, uh, we're going to talk about that relates to this news bit. A little bit later so we'll save our talk about that for later next up on march 11th dc revealed a variance cover for uh the first print copy of little gotham number one and while it's difficult to actually describe an image as much as i possibly can it has damien riding a cow as it's jumping over the moon and batman is holding on to the moon who happens to have a face like the joker um, I'm not sure if this has anything at all to do with the actual events that have taken place involving Damien or not um, the issue the the cover is actually drawn by Chris Burnham, but I have no knowledge of as to why this has anything to do with the events that have taken place recently.
3: I think it's a really nice cover. I think that's a really nice piece of artwork but uh it's also kind of bittersweet in retrospect
0: yeah that's a it's a really nice image It's not really. Chris Burnham's usual style—it's a bit more, uh, I think, chibi is the word, but it's it's definitely a a nice image reminiscent of the the uh, nursery rhyme, obviously.
2: Good work. Yeah, and of course, uh, Bat Cow right there. So that's great that they're bringing him in.
1: All right. So also on March 11th, the next arc from Scott Snyder was announced, and it is called Batman Zero Year. Oh, okay. Um, This will be about Bruce first becoming Batman in the New 52. It will be a 11-part story starting in June and will give us a brand new story on the origin of Bruce becoming Batman. Um, Here are some quotes from Scott Snyder on what we can expect from this new epic story arc. It's not, let's redo the origin. It's time for a new story showing how Batman became who he is in the New 52. We tried to preserve as much of Batman's history as we could and keep what we could of this history intact. It's the zero year, the one that that no one has told the story of before. We see how Bruce became Batman, built the cave, faced off with his first supervillain. We're not going to take apart year one. All right. So those are the quotes that he actually mentioned at the Washington Post on their website, um, we have some more talk about this uh, with some other news points that we'll discuss in a second, but just overall reactions related to this announcement.
3: I was not happy at this announcement at all. I was very negative about it, mainly because uh, it depended on how the, uh, the news item was actually presented. Uh, I got mine from Comic Vine. I'm not sure if that's coming up later on, but it was basically like, you know, this is a story that's never been told before. And I got really upset. It kind of kind of stupidly, I got mad. It was probably not that big of a deal, but I really despise when people say that because uh, you really honestly think that like, in 75 years, these kind of stories haven't been told at least once. It felt very snarky and dis- uh, uh, disingenuous to me. Like, I mean, hell, there was like Legend of the Dark Knight, which was a whole title about Batman's past adventures when he was first starting out. And so like, I felt that was a really stupid way to kind of before this new story, the story, the idea of it in, in general is sounds pretty nice, but please don't say that it's never been done before because that's not true at all.
0: Yeah, this announcement was uh, bittersweet for me because, uh, as much as the idea of another origin story, be it a reinterpretation or a different take on it, um, is annoying. It will be interesting to see if this really is a, a new origin for the new fifty-two, if it changes anything, and if this makes anything any clearer. Which I, I hope it does that, and if not, then it will be a giant waste of time.
2: <laughs> well, I think we all trust uh, Scott Snyder to a certain we extent, and, and I <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think that we we give him a lot of leeway and. We trust a lot of the things that he talks about and, and, you know, what's going to be on page more, I think, than other authors and writers, which is, you know, I think that just speaks to his abilities. Uh, You know, my first thing is blasphemy, basically. Like, we're going back in time and we're talking about this origin story and I just have to think back to... Thinking about those, those back pages at the end of the zero. Well, number one, we had zero issues. And I thought that was the whole point of those was to give us an idea of origin stories in the new 52. So now we're going to times that by 11 and have an 11 page series of origin. I'm just like, oh, okay. Aren't there other stories that you could tell? Uh, but at the back of those, if you remember, um, they had like a uh, two paragraph, maybe, origin of the character told and my heart felt ripped out when it said you know batgirl first appearance batgirl number one <laughs> i'm like no you fools it was detective comics number 359 yes. uh, So it it just feels like very, I don't know, blasphemous to me, Um, but I guess we're in the new 52. We've got to get over it. I guess that's, you know, what we're being told, but we just haven't accepted it yet. But to tell this origin story, and yes, you're not going to mess with other origin stories that have come before it, but I think still, in old readers' minds and hearts, it's still going to be going against the the tradition the comic tradition i think that we've known and loved for so long and i just wonder why he's taking the time 11 issues why is he taking the time to do this now when i mean basically we had four different issues of learning about batman because we had dark knight batman detective i'm sure there was another one that we learned about him so isn't there something more worthwhile but i guess we'll i guess as with all things we'll see what happens
1: I only have one thing to say that I would love to see the time frame between uh, the, the, the 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 time frame that Bruce did his training before he became Batman, because the origin of Batman really is Batman Year One that Frank Miller did. But we never really we've never really had a definitive story as to how everything came to be the way it was before Year One. There's, you know, there's mentions of how he was trained and who he's trained with and things like that that has happened over time. But we've never actually seen a story just, you know, exploring his training and his process of how he, you know, how the Batcave came to be and how he got the gadgets and all that stuff. Now, some people ignore that because we've seen elements inside of the Nolan films where it kind of explains that, so they don't really think about it as much, but that's one of the stories that I think I would love to see. Now, based off of everything that's been announced, I don't know if it's actually going to, uh, a lot of the training aspect is actually going to be explored, but he did state that how the Batcave came to be, how some of the gadgets came to be, and things like that are going to be explored. Um, Death of the Family did not necessarily, uh, please me as much as I hoped it would, but knowing the past stories that Scott Snyder has done with the way Court of Owls ended and the entire Black Mirror story, I still have faith in Scott Snyder and I still think that he could deliver, he could deliver a very good story. So for now, we'll wait and see. All right. So the next bit of news we have comes also on March 11th. The solicitations for June were released. Uh, No real big surprises here except for the zero hour, which we already mentioned. The other, the other aspects of the solicitations that, to talk about there's not really any major creator changes worth mentioning it does specifically the 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 end of the mad hatter storyline is in fact set to happen in june so then moving into the next news on march 12th uh, scott snyder addressed some of the recent rumors about harper Rowe becoming robin Um, he talked with mtv geek and he specifically said, I'm not going to give away what happens, whether she would be Robin or not. Um, but then he did go on to say that Harper is a character in her own right and that she was never designed to be a Robin. He stated, I feel badly that everybody is assuming that just because she's there right afterwards, we're trying to position her as the new Robin. But I can tell you honestly, everybody reading this, she's not designed to be Robin. What the creation of Harper Row was really about was creating a lens for me personally that I could relate to in Gotham that would be like a kid or somebody struggling as a young person and you're trying to make ends meet. You're in this place that's really tough. Nobody believes in you and you have this incredible superhero in town that's doing these things that inspire you. Um, I don't have anything to say until we actually get to our review of Batman number 18. I am going to do the exact same thing. (laughs) So then the next bit of news, also on March 12th, comes from IGN and Newsarama. This was an interview where Scott Snyder talked with both news sources about the upcoming zero-year arc. So we will read through this interview. I will read for IGN and Newsarama, and Don will read for Scott Snyder. My first question has got to be exactly how far back does 0 year ago. Well, it takes place in the continuity that's established in
3: our issue 0. So it takes place just over 5 years ago, almost 6 years ago.
1: So this is Bruce traveling and training or is it once he's back in Gotham? It's not about Bruce's
3: training, although I don't want to give away whether you'll see any of that or not. With this one, it's really supposed to explore a period in Bruce's life that you've never ever seen before, and it's done in a way that will hopefully surprise you. For me, it was about realizing that there was a period in Bruce's life that was unexplored in terms of setting up Batman and becoming Batman that you hadn't seen in other books. I became more and more invested in this story, telling Greg about up, it up and down, and he really loved it, so it became about, well, what can we do with this story? When can we find the time? Now, it just seemed like the perfect time to get to tell it. We wanted to try and do something that gives fans of the character something have never ever seen before. So I can promise you that with this one, you might have seen the original or the transformative years of Bruce Wayne done a lot. But this is really our take in something different. While it's very respectful and I hope you guys agree of the past stories of the past and stories that we love the most, it's also something that is it's also something that is us trying to give you guys something that you've never seen.
1: You mentioned that people are always wondering about the timeline of Batman's history. We always get questions about how Batman could have four Robins in only a few years and how he fathered Damien. Does Zero Year address that? Is it meant to answer those questions? Well, I don't want to give away too much. It's definitely not designed
3: to be an answer to those questions. This isn't designed to be that. This isn't an informational thing about how the Batman mythology works or how the continuity is held together. (laughs) It's really an intensely personal story to Greg and me about Batman's transformative years. So there are a lot of things that will be answered in it in terms of continuity. But I don't want to say that what they are, and it's not designed to be that. An answer to questions as opposed to being a story we really love to death.
1: DC called this an event, and as mentioned, Batman number 0 did tie into what was being done in Detective and Dark Knight with their number 0 issues. Will Zero Year involve any of the other Bat Family titles? No. Nope. One of the
3: things that has been so wonderful for us is to be able to tie into the other books, mostly because I admire the other writers in the Bat Stable so much, and I'm friends with all of them, so it's a great joy to get to do stories where you're allowed to be more collaborative. But I do miss the idea of doing something that, the way the Black Mirror was for me on Detective, where it's a story that is singular and isolated and, particularly, and particular to me and the artistic team on the book just with me. It doesn't need to provide a platform for, this, uh, for the stories
1: in the other books, so this story is intensely personal to me. Okay, so that's the end of the interview. So, the thing is, it seems as if everything that they specifically asked about—you know—does this involve the training? He specifically said, um, "It's not specifically about the training, but I'm not going to say whether or not we're going to, dis- you know, discover or you know, explore that or not. Uh, is this going to clear up questions about continuity? It's not about that, but I'm not going to say whether or not we we explore <laughs> that area." Is it going to answer the questions about how we've had all these things happen in the few years? It's not about that, but I'm going to just say that, uh, I'm not going to say that we're not going to explore that. So basically, anything that was asked, he basically left it open as if it could be explored, but it's not necessarily about that.
3: I'm growing rapidly more and more anxious about this story. I don't think it's going to be bad, but like, as I, as I, kind of inferred before. I don't like retroactive continuity in the slightest. And I can kind of see what Scott is coming from, because again, this is sort of the, the fan aspect of his writing perspective on Batman. Where he kind of wants to tell his perspective of how he thinks Batman would approach certain things at the beginning. So it's like, on the one hand, I can't I can't blame him for what he's doing, but on the other hand, it feels so... I don't know, it's just... I'm not really interested to explore, you know, but you want to know how Batman became this, because...
1: Can't you do that in a miniseries or something? Do we have to do that, you know, for a year in the main title? Well, how many miniseries are they actually producing at this point? Everything is an ongoing until it gets canceled after seven issues.
3: I know, but, like, I I wish there was another way to, to have this story told without, you know... Eleven months is a really long time. I, I You know, I can't say much until I actually start read, re- reading the comic books themselves, but I am anxious. I'm not 100% negative, but I am... Not 100% positive
0: either. I'm growing more and more irritated with Scott Snyder's interview technique. (laughs) (laughs) Because he never answers the questions. And to be honest, he's Scott Snyder, so people are going to buy his books anyway. He could say anything, but he always chooses to say nothing. And some of the stuff that he's talking about sounds, I guess, interesting and more of what I'm looking for in a... origin or not so much an origin story, but I don't know, because he's saying, yeah, it could be that, or it could be something else. Yeah, she could be Robin, or she could not. So, yeah, just either answer a question or just like, yeah, I'm not going to answer that, like they used to.
2: I feel like um if he does it that way, like really sort of dancing around answers, then he can't really be caught um if he said that he did something and then he doesn't do it. So, I think it's just a way to like, basically... <laughs> not why, if anything, were to pop up.
1: It's true. And then if his story has to change at some point, he doesn't get caught up in the fact that he said one thing and he actually meant something else. The The other uh, aspect of this is, uh, you know, like Joe said, he does dance around the questions a lot, but I think that also has to do with um, he, I don't think he, it's, the thing is the questions are very generalized. They're not very specific. And I think if they were specific, I think he would just straight out say, I can't say that right now because I, we've seen that in the past. But I think ultimately what it comes down to is that he is very good at trying to build a little bit of suspense for his story. I mean, look at everything we did for, he did for death of the family. I'd say before issue number 17 came out, we were in high suspense to what was going to happen in that book. And then. Ultimately, we were mostly disappointed by what happened in the book, but we expected something very big to happen, and it had to do with not only what was happening in the book, but also all of the PR that was also happening.
3: Well, you know, I was going to say this until we actually got to the review, but I want to say this now. I think we might have a tendency, just because of the level of how burned we were about the ending, to really kind of, like, snatch away all of the goodwill Scott Snyder may have invoked with us, and I don't want to, you know, speak for you guys, but... I think that, like, I think there is at least for me, there is a tendency to kind of want to do that just because there was one issue that we didn't like, but we shouldn't because you know that was just an ending. You know, endings don't really make or break an entire run up to this point. So I disagree with that statement. Okay,
0: I'll admit that I'm pretty butthurt, but that's that's (laughs) not going to change my reaction, particularly with uh, this issue of Batman as well. But I'm still upset with the whole Batman universe at the moment. (laughs) Not the website, I mean, you know, the franchise.
3: Get with it, Dustin.
1: I, I think the, the thing is, I, I don't think that I'm, you know, I, I am kind of disappointed by how Death of the Family ended. Obviously, we talked about this at length two episodes ago. But the reality is, I we know that he's capable of delivering really good stories, as what we've seen with Black Mirror, and to an extent with Court of Owls. I love the ending of Court of Owls. I thought that was really good. It was completely unexpected, it didn't, and it didn't necessarily leave anything you know, remotely wide open for someone to take over, except for the Crazy Talon spinoff series. But for the most part, I liked the way the story went. I think it was much longer than it needed to be, which I'm really hoping doesn't. I don't get that feeling with Zero Year. And I really do have high expectations and hopes for Zero Year. It's, it's definitely something I am looking forward to, but I think there is just a small bit of bad taste in my mouth from Death of the Family.
2: Yeah. Don't you think there are better stories to tell than this, though?
1: I think there are better stories to tell from this, but I would not be the first person to tell you what they are. Um, I, think, I think Scott Snyder is entirely capable of telling a good story that doesn't necessarily have to do with continuity. I mean, that's not to say he, his story would not be in continuity, but I think that he is a writer who could you know write a story that that does not mean anything related to continuity and still make it work and i think black mirror is a perfect example of that yes dick was in the call at the time and that was pretty much the only element of continuity but he brings in james gordon junior which was for the most part completely outside of anything that was done before and he created this you know really long story that's and, you know was really good but didn't have necessarily anything to do with what was happening in every other book or in the DC universe in general other than dick being Batman so I think it's entirely possible for him to tell other stories do I want to see other stories as much as I'd love to possibly see the time that Bruce trained uh, I don't think so I, I really want to see this this time frame that as Don put it has been told in in various different points, but never as a complete epic story. I
3: mean, even still, though, I mean, we have Earth uh, One with Jeff Johns, where we have Batman being Batman, but being very inexperienced and doing things for the first time. I mean, it's an interesting idea, but to devote eleven months to an idea, which I, I gotta say, again, has been done before. I'm not saying it's been done before in famous stories or anything, but like, I feel as though this is being advertised as like this whole unique and you know, first of birth of thought story. Where you know the p- the possibilities are endless, and one number one the the ending's already preordained because Batman's got to be Batman, and at the very end it's like I mean we, we, movies cartoons, everything it, I feel as though this is sort of just i, I don't I, I don't know it, it feels very fanficish to me to sort of like presume that we've not done this before, so so I going to tell his version of the story, and that kind of has me at a pause
1: all right, so that is actually all of the news we have any news related to the books that we are no longer covering on this podcast will actually be uh, released in the Point 0.5 podcast that's right it is time my friends to actually announce that the Point 0.5 episode we have found a co-host and we will be releasing the first Point 0.5 episode at the beginning of april so be on the lookout for that as well as any news related to those books that we will be covering on that podcast so with that, that is going to bring us straight into our views. And the first book we are covering is Detective Comics number eighteen.
4: Great speech, Oswald. <laughs> oh! Oh, my name is not Oswald. It's Penguin. I am not a human being. I am an animal. Cold-blooded.
0: Detective Comics number eighteen, written by John Layman with art by Jason Fabok. The issue opens with Oswald Coppel- Cobblepot in Gotham City Zoo, retrieving a hidden cache of weapons. We then cut to earlier that night where Batman is in Arkham Asylum, presumably cleaning up the mess after the Joker's takeover. He turns to Cobblepot, but is forced to let him go as he is technically innocent. Oswald walks off, trying to get a hold of Ogilvy, whilst Cash, the Arkham Guard, informs Batman that Zaz has escaped. We then have a short sequence of Bruce looking presumably at Damien's grave to remind us all that Damien is dead, but then he's back to business as he begins his search for Zars. Meanwhile, Oswald Cobblepot is at his house, but two security guards won't let him in, as they say they're working for the Penguin before they punch him in the face. We then cut to the Iceberg Casino where Ogilvy receives a phone call from Cobblepot. He complains he can't get into his house, his cell phone is dead, and none of his credit cards work. Ogilvy then says that if Cobblepot manages to get online, he'll find that all of his accounts are in Ogilvy's name. As Cobblepot threatens to kill him, Ogilvy says, Not Ogilvy, Emperor Penguin, as he hangs up the phone. Just then, Cobblepot looks across the street from the payphone and sees the Anne Ogilvy Children's Centre. We then cut to Batman, who is flying around Gotham, kicking ass and waiting for to show up. As he's investigating Cobblepot's break-in to the zoo, there's a disturbance at the Iceberg Casino. Batman crashes through the roof and discovers Cobblepot shooting up the building. He takes him out, and the police arrest him for trespassing and possession of weapons. Cobblepot is convinced that his lawyers will get him off, but then we see that they've already been made victim to Zaz. The next day, Zaz is at the Iceberg Casino to collect his payment from Ogilvy. We we'll moves to see Miss Volkova from the Talon series, if you're reading that, giving Ogilvy the man-bat serum as he says he's going to fight fire with fire. In the backup, written by John Layman with art by Henrik Johnson, amid an Arkham riot, Zaz is cutting people up left, right and centre when he sees the Penguin, and we get a little origin flashback of Zaz losing all of his money in the Iceberg Casino. Zaz advances on Cobblepot, but Joker holds him back, instead sending him out to Gotham to do what he does best. In Gotham, Zaz is approached by Ogilvy, who gives him what looks like the owl knife that Penguin had in the Catwoman series, and says that they have a mutual enemy in Oswald Cobblepot, asking if Zaz would kindly take him out. Talk about Ogilvy and his plans, because I guess Dustin was right in saying he's going to take Penguin down from the inside out, and... Then his plan to take on Batman as well by presumably turning himself into Man Bat, which could be interesting.
1: I the thing is, I you know we saw that we saw a cover, I believe it was for the May issue. I want to say for Detective Comics number twenty, I believe. And we saw Ogilvy being some kind of weird-looking monster, and this kind of explains how exactly that's going to happen because he has the Man Bat serum. This is actually one of the first mentions outside of Batman Incorporated of Man-Bat, which I found kind of interesting. Um, the other thing that, w- that was kind of interesting is the fact that we saw the character from Talon who is working with that group that Talon met up with that was headed by his uh, ex, I guess, Flame. And she has left that group and she is now hiding from Talia al Ghul because of the, I guess, the assembly of that group that was in Talon. so she's now working for Ogilvy, which I find a little interesting. but then the but the most interesting thing is the fact that she somehow was able to get the Manbat serum in her possession after she had already been not working for Taya Ghul for quite some time as was stated in Talon. And here's the problem when you start having all these different things cross all these different books, you know, not necessarily crossover, but have all these interlinking parts. That's the, 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 the problem where stuff starts to not make sense. Um, it was known in Talon, it was made known in Talon that that group that, that character was working with, she was there for quite some time and she escaped the wrath of Taliel Ghoul be- because she didn't want to be there anymore. So then she's working in this group in New York City, which, uh, gets destroyed by the Court of Owls, and in turn she goes back to Gotham City, and somehow comes across a Manbat serum from a person she hasn't worked with in quite some time, asking to hide her from the wrath of Tyal Gul, huh? It seems a little far-fetched, but I'll let it go just because I'm kind of interested in seeing what happens with this man-bat thing. As Joe said, I did call it as far as uh, Ogilvy taking the penguin in from the inside out. I have to say it was perfectly played though, because I almost think that I, I almost want to believe that Ogilvy actually planned on Cobblepot actually screwing up and Batman, uh, catching him doing something illegal so that he could get caught. And I thought the explanation uh when, uh, When Penguin says, Oh, I've got the best lawyers in the world. And we find out that Ogilvy actually hired Zaz to kill Penguin's lawyers. Not to mention Penguin doesn't have any money anymore. So I don't know how do you pay those lawyers. But then Batman makes that comment about, well, it was uh, tax evasion that got Al Capone. So, (laughs) you know, trespassing and uh, possession of illegal weapons is something that we could definitely get shoe on. So I found it, I found that also pretty, pretty cool. But overall, I thought this this was good, and I, I liked the introduction of Zaz because even though we've seen Zaz in appearance only in some of the other books since the New Fifty Two has started, I liked how um, they even did the origin story in the back of this back of the book with uh, explaining how Zaz and and that that's not really deviating from the original one. Yeah. Which I really liked. I liked that it was, you know, pretty dead on with the original origin instead of kind of adapting it to the new Fifty Two.
3: Oh, well, I mean, it didn't. Nothing about his origin needed to be changed. His like, you know, he's not that old of a Batman villain. He's only been around since the nineties, so there wasn't really anything that like demanded to be changed due to time or anything that like I mean, they could have changed it. But like, I thought, I, I agree. I, I'm, I like the fact that it was basically just reiterating the origin. And we actually kind of saw it. I don't, I don't remember. Exactly how it, if they had flashbacks when he first appeared, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's still kind of cool. I gotta say, um, I this is a, a very decent, solid read, but like I could care less. And it's bad of me to say that, and I hate to say that, and I'm I'm sorry for saying that. But the fact that we have everything, every Batman issue, every Batman related uh, comic book has requiem and has you know the characters reacting to Robin's death this was the first one that i read uh after batman Inc. number eight so i was anticipating how layman was going to interpret that and i suppose in fairness because it's his story his title he can't devote his time to uh have batman dealing with jason's death uh, not jason's <laughs> damien's death so for what we got was you know about as best as we could have hoped for so i, I really can't blame him for that i have way more problem with that later on but honestly like um even though I can't be mad at him for how much time was devoted or how little time was devoted towards Batman brooding over da- Damien's death, I, st- it's still, I still find myself checking out of the story. It's a decent story in and of itself, and if I kind of go away from the book and come back, it's a fine story. But with Damien being dead and you know Batman you know feeling uh, horrible about that and all the characters supposedly feeling horrible about that, I have a hard time investing myself in anything else. So when I, whenever I see the Requiem uh, titles I, or covers, I assume that it's going to play somehow into the plot of whatever plot's going on. So, like, the overall story I thought was
2: fine. Um. So I'm sad, I guess, when I, you know, open or I look at the cover of the comic and I see Requiem and, like, a very sad, oh, kind of is reminiscent of whatchamacallit, of... Uh, death of superman because he's holding his cape but you know you open it up and really how much is there even about that not really anything besides him being upset and really almost ready to take it out on anybody and of course he's worried about the death count being even higher with Zaz on the loose i really liked the uh ogilvy uh parts and just seeing somebody get sort of the best of Penguin um, even though Ogilvy is not like you know my favorite character I think it's cool to see a villain get sort of trumped by another villain and how this is sort of all unfolded and I think that's pretty interesting Zaz I like that he's out now you know in this uh, new 52 context but I don't necessarily enjoy the way that they brought him out as much as you guys do and um, it, it was hard for me to connect the murders of those guys that we see, you said his lawyers, which I was a little conf- confused about that. But then when Batman says the killing started in Iceberg Lounge, is that where the lawyers were?
0: Zaz killed his, the Penguin's lawyers, as right because Ogilvy told him to. And then uh-huh. the police found the bodies. They didn't discover the murder. And there's also a report going on saying there's trouble in Iceberg Lounge. Yeah. That's life. So Batman went there because that was happening, whereas Zaz had already killed the victims.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so there was, I, I think there was just like a strange uh, connection. I guess maybe that could have just been me like not reading it correctly. But I, I feel like maybe they should just kept the focus on Penguin and Ogilvy rather than we're just sort of insinuating this third character that somewhat connects the two. But I think it, it felt more forced to me than... Natural, But I think Zaz is, I mean, he's a crazy, crazy guy. Uh, and, and I think he's a fun villain to have around. Do I see him as the type of guy who would sit at a, a roulette table and lose his parents' fortune and then go after Penguin? Not so much. I kind of always see Zaz as this guy that's always had this sort of sick problem. Uh, and it just progressively got worse. But... Um, So, I I mean, I guess we'll see. You know, New 52 switches up the the different people, but it'll be interesting to see where Ogilvy goes from here. And I, too, with Dustin, totally agree about that woman uh, because I just thought right away that was very weird um, when – it says, oh my gosh, she did see talent number three. And I thought, wait, talent number three, that happened like several months ago. And the way that this reads is that she left Talia's service and she went right to Ogilvy. That's really what it seems like. Whereas she had been working with that group over there, it felt like for several months because, I mean, that that girl had that going for a long time. So uh, Dustin, you're completely right. And I know we're told and, and we've read interviews that say, you know, you got to give us leeway. You can't keep this pressure on us that Nightwing can't be in Japan one issue and then back in Gotham another issue. But I, I think there does have to be some sort of rhyme and reason to all these issues that we're reading.
1: It's been multiple months since Talon number three, so it's not like this—you ha- know—this just happened and they're just referencing something that just happened. I get that, you know, things can change. Honestly, if this took place. Two, three issues ago, instead of having the death of the family stuff, maybe it would make a little bit more sense, but it didn't. So maybe the element of death of the family in Detective Comics kind of threw this story a little off, and that's why we see this odd situation where it's months and months after that event actually happened.
0: I think with the the, the woman at the end who... I think we can all agree that no matter how much money she gives Ogilvy, Talia is going to kill her. So that was a bit pointless. Um, and I think with, with Zars, I, I kind of agree with Stella in that. I think the most, for me, the most interesting part of this book is definitely Ogilvy and what he's doing to Penguin. So having Zars in there, although it was like a... It made sense in the overall story. it was a, It was a bit or oh, he it, it didn't need it in a way because like Dustin said penguin lost all of his money so how would he even pay his lawyers to uh you know to help him in the first place um i also i preferred the design of Zars in the yes. uh, the backup um just cuz i i really liked um, dustin Wen's portrayal oh. of him in uh streets of gotham and uh that was more reminiscent of that than with the the goatee but uh, it was, you know, like I like that they kept it fairly or pretty close to the the original uh, interpretation of the character. So, I like, that. I do like Zaza as a villain. I think he's pretty cool. The only thing I was wondering is, would he really? Could you really hire him to do something? I guess if he sees all life as pointless, then he wouldn't mind taking someone's life for money. But it, it felt a little out of character to me. I'm not, I'm not sure why.
3: I was gonna mention actually because I was thinking about it. I do think that like this version of Zaz is a bit more, a bit warmer towards humanity. Like traditionally, at least Zaz is actually like a very like a serial killer kind of like you know wide eyed. He like he calls people zombies and stuff. Like he's he's like not a guy who's like who has a full deck, you know. So like I'm not sure if that was a do the art or whatever, but I was surprised to kind of see him, not not in the flashback, but like you know when he's actually an established killer kind of see him a little bit more quote unquote normal than he usually is. That's that's neither I don't I don't care all that much as long as, long as he doesn't have any emotions.
1: The other thing I, I want to bring up quickly is this is kind of in most of the books, but the just abrupt let's tie into what's happening in the entire Batman universe by having a two page insert of Bruce reacting to Damien being dead. Now, I don't know about you, but it kinda of fell out of place. It felt as almost as if those two pages were added in after the fact. <clears throat> and then the one <coughs> the one comment that was made by Alfred to Batman about the penguin, and then Bruce made the comment about, oh well I told it. I I once told Robin that, and then they referenced going back to Detective Comics number three to actually see that comment. I just wondered what you guys thought about, and we don't have to bring this up in every single issue. I I will just bring it up now because we're we're this is the first book that it happens in. But what did you guys think of the just abrupt? Hey, guess what? Damien's dead in every single
0: book. I think that this was one of the least offensive um, versions of it, but it it's very repetitive throughout all the titles. Um, you see it, you know, it's either exactly the same things in, in every book or it's it's handled very differently, which is odd. Like, you'll see him... Like, in this one, you sort of see a grave, but then you don't know if he's even been buried yet because, I mean, that's the cover to Batman Inc. next issue and it's it's all a bit weird. It's, it's like no one really knows uh, what's going on and it, it might be last minute. You would have thought that... Because all the, the covers ended up being... Uh, you know, f- uh, like fake trailer, uh, fake covers for th- for this Requiem series that they would know in advance, but it, it did feel a little bit out of place. But I wasn't, I I wasn't really upset. By it. I think that I would be questioning why it wasn't there if it if it wasn't in there.
3: the thing, though. is, like you know, I can understand if. If a writer has his own stories, then, you know, they don't want to concentrate on is going on in continuity, even if it is a big deal. If the cover was different, like the cover, if it was Batman versus Ogilvie or Batman versus the Penguin and Zaz shows up, that would be more honest. And if they had that insert with Damien, that would be even more honest. Don't make the cover something that the issue is not, because the cover is concentrating on barely two pages of, 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 a, of a scene that doesn't have nothing to do with an overarching plot. And that just, you know... I was excited to read this because I assumed that Damien's death would resonate in this issue, and it doesn't. And really and truly, it should. But it for some reason just doesn't. So, like, I don't know whether to blame Jason Fabric for that or DC Editorial. i got to blame somebody. But, like, I-, I feel as though they're not – I know there has to be a compromise between Layman's story and the overarching Batman Universe uh, storyline. But you gotta, you got to be a lot more honest with it than just a cover that, that focuses on a throwaway scene. And, and
1: I'm just going to say it now. That happened in Backroll too. Don't even t- 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 wait for that. We'll, we'll get there. All right, so overall, Detective Comics number 18, I'm going to give a total of 4 out of 5 batterings. I'm not surprised we spent so much time on this issue. I barely have anything to say.
3: I will give Detective Comics this issue 3.5 out of 5 batterings.
0: I'll also give this issue 4 out of 5 batterings.
2: About the, those two panels there, I'm glad they at least talked about it, but I think there just are better ways to, to, to discuss and put into play this death. Um, and it seems like the best way, in fact, was Batman and Robin, which is, I guess, fitting. Uh, but I don't know. It did seem superfluous, and I, I guess you you're going to have a tough time not being redundant because of this death, if it's going to appear in all the bat books, uh, but I think it is such a powerful moment that it does need to be addressed and not sort of shoved under um, the proverbial rug. Oh, 3.5 out of five.
1: All right. So, Detective Comics number eighteen gets a total of four out of five betterings. Let's move into our next book, Batman number eighteen. Suck. Written by Scott Snyder, art by Andy Hubert. The uh, issue is pretty much from the entire perspective of Harper Rowe. She is driving with her brother to Blackgate Penitentiary to visit their father, who happens to be um, apprehended by her special friend, but he refuses to tell Harper who her special friend is who apprehended him. Later in the Gotham Narrows, we see Harper Rowe dressing into a what appears to be a cat suit, and she is telling her brother not to worry and they don't need to go see their her brother or they don't need to go see their father anymore if he doesn't want to. She then proceeds to go out on patrol as she is tracking Batman's movements because he has been At it for numerous days, she then goes into a nice long exposition as to uh, how rough Batman's been with the criminals and how he's been going after street thugs, and it appears that he's been working during the day and hasn't actually stopped for the last five days. She's trying to figure out why exactly this has happened. Uh, She's not really having any luck. Um, We see later, the uh, next day, she's in her apartment with her brother, and she's trained with a boxing bag and she is uh, talking to her brother, explaining that um, the, the, the feelings that she's feeling about Batman not taking a rest and how he's starting to slip up. Across town, we see a pumped-up muscle man injecting some venom into some dogs. Batman appears, takes him out, and, ex- and proceeds to ask him where the next dog fight is taking place uh, after the man ex- explains that he has more backup dogs to actually help the one dog that will not last very long. Harper Rowe appears, proceeds to kick the man in the face, and then uh, lets off a machine that actually puts all of the dogs out of commission by only, I guess it's like a, one of those dog whistles that really annoys them. Um, after she kicks the guy in the face, she shoots him in the crotch with a taser, and as the guy is about to go after Harper Road, Batman takes him out very quickly. Batman then proceeds to tell her um, that she's doing everything wrong and she should not be there, and proceeds to hit her through (laughs) a very close wooden fence. He then explains that this is not a game. If you pursue this, you will die. Do you understand me? Which brings her to tears. He takes off, telling her to stay the heck away from him. Um, then later on, the next day, she's talking to her brother and says she's not going to give up. Um, we see that her nose was broken in the exchange. She has a set of blueprints or a map that she proceeds to take to Wayne Tower to meet with Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, who looks like he's growing a a nice beard, um, proceeds to be told by his assistant that someone is here to see him. Uh, Harper Rowe is the person who proceeds to tell him that she needs that, that Bruce Wayne, knowing that he financially backs Batman, needs to get a hold of Batman because what he's doing, there's something that is off. After she unrolls the blueprints, she proceeds to tell him that this is meant to help him. He proceeds to say, "No problem, I will get it to him." And she's quite happy and she she leaves. Later, we see Harper Row back in her cat suit uh, on the rooftop in Gotham, approached by Batman, who apologizes for breaking her nose and also explains, "You can train all you want, but it's it's this is a this is a very tricky business, and you need to actually make sure this is something that you would want." She then confronts him about apprehending her father, which says that and that which he then says he did it because they, he didn't want their father to rub off on them. She then leaves and proceeds to tell Batman there's a message that is going to happen. And he tells her that she, he's about to go home and sleep. And we then see the last page, Wayne Tower having what appears to be the word resolve imprinted on the side of the building. And that is Batman number 18. It is. Alright, so Batman number 18, taken from the perspective of future Robin. (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I said I was going to talk about this earlier when we talked about the news. This This is what I want to talk about. So, even though Scott Snyder says that she was not designed to be the next Robin or to fill in the gap for Robin, which, you know, it's entirely possible that this was... This was planned way before Scott Snyder ever knew that Graham Orson was going to kill Damien at this specific time frame, but I just think it's extremely poor timing for this to happen if she is not supposed to be this. Um, the cover for, I believe it's Batman, there's a cover that I saw that involves Harper Rowe. I can't remember exactly which cover it is, I assume it's Batman. That has Harper Row in this cat suits black costume. They're really trying to put a lot of attention on this character, and to me, it just comes across as if it's not if she's not supposed to be Robin, and it's really supposed to be just a straight. You know, this is just a character that's inspired by Batman. It is extremely poor
0: timing.
2: Do you think she could just be like a Wendy Harris to uh, Batgirl, though? Where I mean, she's a character in her like own Oracle. right, and then she is sort of taken into the fold. And she, well, she doesn't necessarily become Oracle, and we'll never know if that was BQM's, uh, you know, plan. But that she is helping out in some sort of form with Batman, but she doesn't take on this iconic role of Robin, and she does remain this character, which is what Scott Snyder said. She just stays Harper Row. Do, do you see that happening?
1: I, I think it's possible. But then, what's the necessity of her training with? What's the point of her trying to take out bad guys? I have no idea. I just, I want to know your thoughts on two things. Um, the necessity for a cat suit and the necessity to take out villains and not just deal with the tech aspect that she was originally introduced to do. Okay. Here's the thing, homies.
3: This is basically, to me, and this part because we did that special recently, like more of a. Carrie Kelly kind of situation where she's inspired by Batman to do something with her life. She explains at the end of the story how, when her mom died, she threw herself into work and didn't want to do you know much of anything that was that was good to her. And um, I'll say right now, now I have no idea why she's running around in a cat suit. Or here's a, here's a better question: Where does she get the cat suit? Where does she get the money that they get cats in like the tent style? Where does she get
1: the Where does she get the money for all these gadgets and stuff that she has too? Yeah,
3: that 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 really like I was like, what, what, what? You know, I'll we can get to the Robin stuff. We can get into like you know how, how annoying she is in this issue, but like that was the one thing that I was reading this and I I, I went to a complete halt. Like, where does she get the money to do this stuff? It's it's a complete jump from I want to help Batman and I I have these little Bat Foxes and you know finding them around. Gotham. to like you know she's dressing up like like a, like a cat burglar and you know it's just like you know this thing over her head and gloves <laughs> it's it's really ridiculous. I mean, I can buy her I can buy her motivations and her actions but like this is a complete jump. Like cuz she's she's shown to be poor. She they live in the Narrows. Like where does she did she steal this stuff like I don't I I I don't think there's a, there's a readily a readily available explanation as to where she got this technology.
0: I'd also say that Probably Vigilante 101 is don't have bright purple hair and a nose ring, which can be recognized in and out of costume pretty easily.
3: The answer is yes. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also funny because that Katsu really clashes with her initial design. Now, she's supposed to be like this really kind of alternative-looking character with the nose ring and the purple hair. and the hat. She looks like Tank Girl. You can't have Tank Girl all of a sudden in this body-fitted, formed, you know, kind of like stocking Katsu with gloves and, you know, this this impressive physique. You're just you're you're making this character something that you, that was never really, I'm not gonna say possible, but like wasn't really made to be in her initial couple of parents. I'm not saying that she can't do this, but it's a big jump from like you know person who wants to help Batman to you know somebody who swings across rooftops. And <laughs> it's just it's really laughable.
0: I think now that you mentioned Carrie Kelly, that there are. A few, quite a few resemblances between the two. And then going on to Stella's point, I mean, could there be a chance that she's basically Robin but they don't call her that or something along those lines? I mean, there's no way of knowing if she will be or not because, you know, Scott Snyder is not saying either way. He's definitely not saying no. but I do want someone to actually discuss the
1: the the jump from her being the tech person to now she's trained to beat up bad guys so i do want someone to say something about. well
2: i that. think that she it, well first of all i do you know i hate to, to say this but she sort of reminds me of the good old back girl <laughs> uh just in the fact that i can see that she's not wanted at all basically She's female. She's, you know, underestimated. Batman's basically, no, you're going to get yourself killed. This is not, you know, your line of work. Uh, she's, she's smart in general. She has a good heart. She's tech savvy. Um, it, it really feels like, uh, sort of the, the Bronze Age, Bronze Age Batgirl to me. Um, I think in the end, you know, Batman's going to somehow open his heart because he always seems to do that. How she, well, I think she's still going to be that tech person. I mean, that's her thing. Uh, we saw, I guess it was in her focus issue, I honestly don't remember if that was 13 or something like that, um, that you know, she was following him around with those black boxes and she got yelled at by him then. How she's getting that tech stuff, I honestly don't know. I'm sure, I don't think it's stealing. She doesn't seem like that type of person because that would be really going against her code. But she may have, uh, I don't know if you've, read or have seen Girl with a Dragon Tattoo uh, and just the fact that, um, well the main girl in there, Elizabeth, uh, she had sort of this connection uh, that he would help her out with certain things so perhaps she's got somebody and he gives her some tech stuff if she's able to help him with something Uh, so I can definitely see that I think that she's a tech person but she recognizes that she needs to be something more and so because of that she's starting to train and it seems like just the fact that she has that boxing bag in her room that it's not something that's been all of a sudden I think it's just something that's been all of a sudden for us because besides that one issue that we had seen before Again, I don't know if it's issue thirteen or not. It just kind of pops up in my mind. Um, you know, we we didn't get too much of a sense of her home life. Only only a little bit. Uh, I I would have to look back over that issue to see if there was a boxing bag in there. But I think that's just her awareness that she needs to do something more. And even Batgirl does that because in the very beginning, and and I'm talking. You know, 1969 here folks in the very beginning she had that intellect she was a librarian and everything but she realized that she needed to start training if she actually wanted to do this and so she took all sorts of uh, well she actually had a boxing bag She, I remember she talking about I need to make my body firm because it's a very awkward <laughs> line that she said uh, so so I don't know now it, it's just like oh my gosh this is row right here basically but a gothic style or emo style one so it's not that off base for me. I can see how it is uh for like you just because we haven't seen it before, but it, it seems like it's going down that line anyways.
3: Well, when you put it that way, I I can totally buy her wanting to kind of train herself up to be ready to take on anything. That actually that that actually I mean, I think I was just too eager to say what the hell, but that actually makes plenty of sense. It just I still don't know where she got the money to t- get this catsuit.
1: That's, I that's think the she's
0: I think she still is pretty dependent on the tech, though. I mean, she's not fighting him as much as using gadgets on him. And then, I mean, she does kick him in the face, but she uses the taser and she uses the 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 dog whistle, I guess, um, to dispatch of the, the people before she goes in with any physical contact. So I think she still relies on that. But And I think, I mean, wasn't it explained that she works for the city, like working with these electronic things. I mean, if she, if she takes like the old spare part home, I'm sure that's not going to be missed. It's the only way that I could think she's you're
1: right. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. But the thing is, because that was so long ago, which I know it's doesn't seem like that long ago, but that was August of 2012 that that was her last story that she was in because it's been that long and we don't actually remember that. That's, that's one of the biggest problems. That I'm having with this is the fact that, you know, unfortunately that could be the explanation of where she's getting this weird stuff and maybe she had the boxing bag ahead of time or maybe it was her dad's and maybe that's why she, it's there is because her dad had a boxing bag and maybe she got the cat suit with the small amount of money that she makes. Who knows? The, the thing in my mind is the fact that, you know, it's great that we want to focus on this character every time Scott Snyder wraps up a story arc, but isn't it doing the character disservice regardless of her future of the story? Isn't it doing a disservice for a character that he clearly has stated that he wants to be in the books by not having the character be mentioned, you know, for almost eight months? Well, I mean, in
3: that part, it's just the nature of the story and the characters. I mean, because Batman's continuously rejecting her, we're not going to see her pop up in Nightwing or, or Teen Titans or Batgirl. We're going to see, you know... First of all, it's Scott Snyder's character, but it's also like you know, most of this is from her perspective. So I think I mean whether you like are annoyed that she appears in between every major story or not, I think it's just the nature of how we can kind of get into her through Scott Snyder. I mean, I, I can see, I can see that's kind of a little weird, but like I, that is, that, is, that doesn't not, that doesn't
1: uh not make sense to me. It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just you would feel as if this. Okay, well maybe I'm just looking at this from the perspective of if for some reason this character does become Robin at any point in the next couple of years. I'll just say that. Or a sidekick in general or an ally in general doesn't it isn't it doing the character some sort of and I guess this is looking at it from you know the a specific perspective, but if this character is meant to be somebody who is important to the Batman mythos, as we're being led on to believe, isn't it doing a disservice by only focusing on this character once every enter more than six months of time frame? Yes. See, and that's, that's what I'm wondering.
2: It, so, yeah. so we just, I think that now that, well, he needs to decide what this character is for And then I think he needs to decide whether she's going to be taken on or not. And the problem is we're going into this Batman Zero, which means we're not going to see her again for another 11 issues. so so, you know i thought that she was pretty cool well we didn't know anything about her when she popped up in the court of the owls just he told her to go away and we saw her for those few pages then she popped up in 13 and i thought she was pretty cool i really respected and and loved the fact that she was taking care of her brother and and fighting uh this hateful society uh that we sometimes run into and then again we forget about her and now she's here and we're going to forget about her again so i i think if he's just got to decide what he wants to do with her and it's got to be more consistent than this.
3: Well, I mean, this is her third appearance. I mean, I don't know if it's if so, so much as being inconsistent.
1: It's, it's not that it's inconsistent. It's that it's, there's too much time frame taking place between her appearances. Is actually somebody who adds to the mythos. Like, we're li- being led on to believe that she is going to play some role at some point with Batman. Whether it be an ally, whether it be you know just the tech person who makes him gadgets that he never thought of, whatever, the thing is, she's only appearing every once in a while. I mean, she didn't appear at all during Death of the Family. I'm not saying that she needed to, but I don't like going eight months. It's like it's like basically having a backup and nothing happening except every eight months. Well, I mean, I don't I don't want that.
3: I I, I see what you're saying, but I feel as though we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves in that we're sort of looking at the overarching. Like, like, outside of the realm of the, 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 own, the own con- its own continuity Batman story. Is like, you know, well, clearly she's going to have this role in the Batman family. I mean, really and truly, she's just a character. She's just a small, supporting minor character in, the, in Snyder's
1: Batman title. We, I mean then why, then why is she having entire issues dedicated to herself?
0: Well, I mean... Because it, she's got Snyder's it, lens on the Batman universe.
3: It is say I mean, obviously, she's going to have something down the line. But I think we're I, I do think we we are trying to be a little too presumptuous in assuming that you know well she's going to be this and then she needs to do this or she's going to be this we need to do this I mean we don't know I mean this is her only thir- her only third appearance and i I'm not saying I love her I'm not, I'm not I found her really annoying in this issue, but what I'm saying is that like I feel as though we might kind of get a little too eager to kind of prejudge what she might turn out to be whatever that is, whether it's Robin whether it's oracle whether it's back whether it's something new, whether it's whatever. I think that just because of the nature of how they write the Bat family and the nature of how these characters have kind of come out, I think that it kind of changed the perspectives on how we take new young characters in the Batman universe, just in general. Because this is is a
1: first. Let me me ask you this, Don. Do you think this character has a future in the Batman mythos? Clearly, yeah. Okay. Do you think that if the uh, zero-year story arc does not mention her at all, and then we get into uh another appearance of her for one issue and then all of a sudden she's thrusted into all of the other books do you think that would be too soon
3: well honestly i appreciate that she has these sporadic appearances because i feel new characters are really hard to take in general and i think that if she did i mean i think it feels a bit mandatory after every other issue because that's sort of being like you know that's sort of like reiterating her character but if we have her any sooner, like, you know, she appears in one issue, then she appears all the time. There's a chance that she would be inundating the readers. So I think Scott Snyder is trying to play it really close to the chest and kind of spread out her appearances. So I think it's just a, a matter of personal taste. I, I, I think, don't mind that she appears in between each different each, each major storyline.
0: I think Don's got a point in that we should probably stop speculating so much and just kind of see where it goes. But it's, it's definitely hard not to wonder because I think she has a future in the Batman universe but I think because of Scott Snyder and what he's gonna do with her, uh when if he stops writing about her, yeah. I don't think anyone's necessarily gonna pick her up. Um in terms of the the timeline, for us as readers, yeah, it's it's ages, I mean but like Death of the Family, wasn't that supposed to take place over two nights? So I think the the character is popping up more in Batman's in you know in Batman's life more frequently but for us reading it you know it's it's you know we get an issue then like three issues later we get another one then four issues later we get another one now it's gonna be like 11 issues until we get her again presumably she's like bookends to Scott Snyder's huge storylines but I, I agree that if we then have her at the end of this uh, zero year storyline and then it's like, oh, she's back again and then everyone's like, Oh, okay, she's back, then that would be way too soon. What I think I she wish... needs to oh, sorry. I think she needs to show up more frequently, but not all at once. I think it needs progressively more frequently.
3: Well, you know what I kinda wish that remember back when Steiner was first on Detective? Didn't he have like two storylines before they kinda coalesced into the James Jr. storyline? He talked about like the people who had that auction thing with Jason Todd's, you know, Death Crowbar and then the Tiger Shark storyline. Those were like solid, you know, like you know, three-part Batman stories that eventually had, you know, the backup story bleed into the main focus of the of the of the story arc. I think that like these, where he's like, you know, taking one major focus at a time, that sort of drags along a lot of the, the reader's patience and
1: tolerance. And this character kind of goes along with that. All right. So moving along, though, uh, the last point I want to make is I just want to talk about the character of Harper Rowe and how she is pretty much this odd conglomerate of every female character that's ever been part of the Batman mythos. Um, she's got the alternative aspects um, that are kind of Carrie Kelly. We have the fact that her father is a criminal um, <laughs> who was locked up by Batman, who we get from Steph. Mm-hmm. We have the fact that her mother is dead or not around like Barbara. We have the fact that she's also tech savvy like the previous Barbara. Does anybody else see this? She's mm-hmm. also
3: worried about Batman like Tim Drake. In fact, a lot of this is, is from the only place to die.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and she's tracking his movements and starting to obsess a bit over him like Tim Drake.
3: Well, yeah, I know, but that, that, that was actually, well, I'll, I'll answer your question with a question to be incredibly annoying. Do you think that like this was sort of redundant, this whole issue, do you think this was redundant or does this sort of issue need to be addressed because Damien had just died. I don't see how that has anything to do with my question. Well, that's the question question because, you know, it, we're saying that this repeats a lot of the same tropes of the other, you know, past partners, like, you know, Carrie Bar- like Kelly, Stephanie, Barbara, and, like, like the storyline part. I feel that, though, we're kind of getting at the point that this is a, a very, like, they're, they're kind of introducing Harper Rowe or reintroducing her by basically stealing from other storylines. Do you think that this is a way, this, this kind of had to happen, or do you think that, like, it was just kind of a lack of creativity?
0: I think it's probably bad timing that it happened, like Dustin was saying earlier, that it happened around this time because of all the speculation that's going on around it, and uh, you probably associate her more with Robin because of there isn't one now and everyone's looking for the next one, Um, but I don't know if we'll know it's a a necessary storyline or one that had to happen until we find out, you know, what happens in the future, where her character goes, and it will either be, oh yeah, this was you know a good point in her history, why did she learn this, or it would just be superfluous.
1: My thing is this. Obviously, Batman is going to be very upset about the fact that Damien is no longer around, and but he's, he's essentially turned into the crazed Dark Avenger that we've seen in other stories in this story. We don't really see that in the other books, Mostly because there's no, not a reason to focus on that. Um, there's not a reason to focus that on that in Batgirl. And in Detective Comics, it almost is as, as if he gets right back to work to keep himself busy, which is understandable, but he doesn't turn into the crazed person who goes on this, you know, no sleep ramp page for multiple days. So, I mean, in my mind, I think that it's not really necessary. I, I don't, I, I imagine that this Harper Rose story was going to tie in some way to whatever was happening with what was going on. I just, I I have a really, I have a really hard time understanding exactly how this all played out with the writers planning their stories and then using this specific month to react to the death of Damien that was happening in Batman incorporated that let us not forget was delayed one month and was pushed back one month back in July so how could this have all been timed perfectly to coincide? To me, it just seems like writers would plan their stories out way in advance. So I feel as if maybe this the intent was to further focus on Harper Row, and then it was just, let's use this story that is this one issue focusing on Harper Row to also deal with the fact that, or to react to the fact that Damien is dead. I
3: think it's unfortunate that like not a week
1: after Damien dies, we're already,
3: I mean, like, I, 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 bad luck with Scott Snyder, but we're already wondering who's going to be the next Robin. that's I don't know what that says about the fan base for DC Comics, though.
1: All right, so Batman number 18, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five Batarangs.
3: I'm very mixed on this issue. Uh I kind of like that at the, at the very end how Batman's a bit, uh you know, like, you know, you think that's good enough. You know, I don't care what you do. I'm not going to make your partner. But at the very end, he's a little nicer to her. It's not just the angry Batman. Uh Conversely, I found her kind of annoying this issue. Art was excellent, though. I don't know. I agree. Three out of three and a half out of five
0: better ranks. Yeah, I definitely liked Andy Kubert's art on this issue. Uh, I also really liked the concept of the tightened dogs in the dogfight. I just thought just that small element was a really cool idea. But uh, Harper was kind of annoying. I did like it when she got punched in the face, though. So okay. that might boost it up for point five for me. But I didn't like the ending just because that. The, the lights on the building it just looked like an R to me that's all we saw and then I'm not sure if that was meant to be like representational of Robin or if that's just what I jumped to and that got me questioning loads whether you know people knew about it or she knew about it and I didn't know what was going on so I will give this a three out of five batterings
2: it's 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 a hard hard thing uh you know uh, but I still I think she's got promise to be honest I she's getting a bad shake because of when she has popped up, and I'm sorry for that. Um, the issue for me, and this issue in fact, is because it's so focused on Harper and we're not focusing on the pain of Batman, only through Harper are we able to see that and, and we get a glimpse of what he's been doing and going through it. But it does really seem like Lonely Place of Dying because I remember Tim saying the exact same stuff that, you know, he's like out of control and he's beating him up and he's there's something wrong. Uh, four out of five batterings.
1: All right, so Batman number 18 gets a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Batgirl number 18. Once you two are out of the way, ain't gonna be no one to stop me.
2: Don't bet on it, gruesome.
4: Run! Clear the area now!
3: Batgirl number 18, written by Ray Fox, illustrated by Daniel Sampia. Uh, this issue begins with the last issue left off. Batgirl is in the middle of an explosion set off by Firebug, while her brother, James Jr., is telling everybody her exact thought process as though he were uh, a telepath. Um, saying really flowery language, like, you know, Goblin devours its heroes, they are tested to death. Um, the, the onlookers who saw Batgirl fly into the building feel really bad about seeing her blow up. So they search and say, you know, we got to help her, man. Screw our safety. She's one of us. She shaved the cop. Quiet, I hear something. And then they see, you know, a triumphant Batgirl, bloodied and battered, rise from the ashes, as they say, what a pair of games!" Oh, they don't actually say that. So the next page, we see uh, Detective Bullock and um, Commissioner Gordon round up some more of the Joker henchmen from the last issue, when Batman gives him a text uh, to meet him on the roof. Batman, who's a... S- presumably sad that his son is killed uh surprisingly tells commissioner gordon that that robin's dead which i will get into that so gordon's wracked with horrified guilt and sorrow calls his daughter says barbara i want to tell you that i love you you know times like this you gotta tell people that matter to you how much you mean to them oh what's wrong dad something happened robin is dead barbara says "Eh, that's interesting talk to you later Uh and um After she hangs up, she says, oh, Rick, and then calls Richard, Richard Grayson, who's also Nightwing, says, I heard about Damien. Please talk to me. But he's too busy. So she basically forgets about Damien the entire rest of the issue and goes upon trying to figure out where uh, Firebug's going to strike next. But she gets a call from her brother, James Jr. James is saying this like like pseudo I don't know what this is about, this really creepy stuff about, you know, if I, if I found you, I could have knifed you and no one was looking. I could have written on your face with a Sharpie. I could have done all these horrible things to you. But she says, I'm ready for you, James. Just try me anytime, any place. So she suits up as Batgirl and tries to uh, get the Firebug situation taken care of before she goes after James. So she finds Firebug really easily and just takes him down without, you know, much. There's a battle, but there's not really any big to do. So on her Batgirl cycle she flies towards where she thinks she's triangulated James' position, but James has already left. He uh knifes a batch to a wall saying, Hello, Barbara, nice try in bat's blood because he's dark, you see and calls his mom. He tells his mother that Batgirl uh Barbara is under his uh capture and if they don't show up at their aquarium, he's going to kill Barbara and have Commissioner Gordon eat her. Shall we say five PM? Next issue, Batgirl Murderer This issue <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about this issue, honestly. I remember laughing at the cover because it was ridiculous that Barbara would have such sorrow over Damien. Although, I wouldn't say it's out of character, it's just she's not that close to the character. And in this issue, she barely noticed <laughs> him dead. Which I found, I found that to be ridiculous. I don't care, it's like, you know, oh, I can't worry about this now, I have Firebug to deal with, because he's worth a damn. It's <laughs> just, and, I don't know, that, that took me by surprise, um... Ray Fox, his narration, I think I kind of liked the last issue. This issue, I don't like it. I really don't like how he writes uh, James Jr. It's really pretentious. It's very, very, like, I don't like his whole getting inside Barbara's head kind of mer- narration because at no point, at any point, is he really this perceptive to just know her and, you know, know her every move. I, do, I did not like that. But um this is another issue which, which advertised Barbara's reaction to Robin's death, and it's another misnomer of an issue in that she has no reaction. So I was I was really taken aback by how she didn't
1: give two craps
3: and a damn about Robin being dead. But what did you guys think? How, did that? Oh
1: no, no, she she did, she did, she she did care. She called she called Dick to say, "Richard, can I talk?" And he snuffed her off, and then I guess she just got over it.
0: As a single tear rolled down her face.
1: Dramatically. I thought that was I thought the entire scene was crap. What did you What did you guys think?
0: I agree. I think it was
1: completely out of place. Did anybody... I don't know. We didn't bring this up before, and there's not really a reason to bring it up for the next book, so I guess I'll just bring it up now, but did anybody think about the fact that how is everybody reacting to Damien being dead in all of these books if everything that caused Damien to die is still taking place?
3: I know. <laughs> I know. Like, like We don't even know how the story's ended. Like, He's dead in the last page. He's not
1: dead in the first page of that issue, so... It's like, yeah. this all happens, like, you know, a day later. I mean, Batgirl's not involved in Batman Incorporated, so, I mean, that's not something that needs to be happening, but, like, if she's calling Dick because she just found out that Damien died, isn't Dick still tied up with everything that's going on in Batman Incorporated? Well, maybe
0: that's why he's too busy. Enough,
1: sir. And that's what I thought when I read it. I was like, I sure hope that <laughs> he's too busy to talk right now because he's got everything going on there. It's but same- then, you know, in everything, all these other books, okay, so, Batman, we've got... Bruce going around Gotham, beating up a thousand thugs. Wait, wasn't he dealing with taking down Leviathan at the end of Batman Incorporated when his son died? Hmm. I guess he's got time to jump on the, the rooftop of Gotham PD and tell, tell Gordon and then go round up a bunch of thugs. But I don't know. that the, the entire timing. Like The problem is they should have either just left Batman Incorporated off by itself The problem is I just feel like they're trying to cash in on the fact that Damien's dead. So let's just address it in all these other books so we can smack the Requiem covers on all of these other books and then uh, be able to sell more copies. And I hate that. I absolutely hate that.
0: I I think this is offensively bad. And it's not like I hate it, but it's not one of those things where I can rip it apart and go, I hate this, I hate this. It's just it's horrible and I hate it and I don't want it to exist.
2: I mean, I don't know how we could have expected anything differently. Uh, To be honest, you know, this is somewhat what I expected. I I didn't think it was too awful of an issue because the fact of the matter is she has no relationship with Damien. So I think she said the fact that Bruce lost somebody, but she didn't call Bruce, which was a – well, that was wrong anyways. But she called Dick, and I guess Dick is still in – Wayne Tower trying
3: to get get
2: rid of the, yeah, the Leviathan people. But, you know, she's got all this other stuff on her plate, and we already commented on how much stuff was going on in the previous issue, so frankly, I mean, I guess this just seems right with the way that everything's been going for this book.
0: I I know you have to accept that multiple storylines are at the same time, so things are going to repeat or things aren't going to make sense with each other, but the fact that in like two different books, Batman's going around beating up villains. At the end of Batman and Robin, he's just piled up hundreds of uh, of villains on oh, top hundreds. of Gotham PD and just left them there. In this issue, he's going up to Jim and telling him he doesn't go to Barbara or anything, even though Jim was around the scene where it when it happened. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. And then well, for, I mean- Jim to be so upset by, it. I mean, has he really had that much interaction with him? I thought he found Damien rude, and I guess, you know, he's saying he's a hero, so I'm not sure what Batman was telling him, or if it's just, you know, it's a, it's a small boy who's dead. But that just seemed really played up. And then, yeah, Barbara's just like, oh, okay, don't worry about me. And his her dad's going like, oh, I'm really sad this has happened, Robin's dead, he was a hero. And she's just like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. oh, well, don't worry about me, no, it's fine, yeah, okay, bye. And then she calls Dick. I mean,
3: uh... well, I, I want to kind of go back on what Joe, Joe was saying. I don't have a problem. I think Gordon's completely in character. I mean, I have a question later on about Batman even telling Gordon about this, and I, I, that's a totally separate issue. But I, I don't have any problems with uh, Gordon's reaction. You know, okay, I made a lot of hay about Barbara's – I wanted to cover of this issue about Barbara being so sad, and like it really should be Stephanie Brown crying um i know that barbara has barely any any interaction with, with Damien. you know i know that i mean hell she barely had any any um interaction with like uh you know tim drake for a while when she was oracle so like she's not like as close to like, some of the members of bat family as she is bruce or dick that being said for god's sake i mean you know i'm not you know, it's like somebody you know you you work with in a close capacity and to me, it's like, because of Damien's youth and because of the, how close he was with Bruce, Bruce Antic, to me, it's like, you know, oh, she can't think or feel right now. She has to stop a third-rate supervillain who she beats in, like, two pages. That's more... Like, to me, this is... The, I'm, I'm going to do the unthinkable and rewrite this scene. This is what should have happened. But Commissioner Gordon tells Barbara Gordon that um, Batgirl... Or not Batgirl. Robin is dead. Batgirl is stunned. Tries to talk to Dick. Dick can't talk, so she tries to go about her business, but is throughout the issue more and more emotionally drained about the fact that Robin is now dead. That shouldn't be a fleeting thought in her head. I don't care if she knew Damien or not. It's Robin. It's it's a member. It's and it's and it's a member of the Bat Family in a much you know like like a, in a smaller capacity. It's not like Batman Incorporated where you have this extended Bat Family that we did before the New Fifty Two. It's like it's Bruce's partner. So, I mean. Again, the fact that she didn't know him that well was one thing, but like she's just—I—I I really, how could how could this be? <laughs> how could well, she just not care?
0: I think, in fairness, there—I've known people who've died, and I—you shut yourself off to it sometimes. Sometimes they, it just doesn't affect you, and I think. For this, I mean, she doesn't really know him. I, she says, oh, Bruce, you know, like, she cares more about him than she does about Damien because she doesn't work with him. So I think on a more mature emotional level, it, it can make sense. But then why tie it in? Like, if she was, like, you know, you can see her there at the funeral. She'd obviously go out of respect and stuff, things like that. And that would be her tie-in. You don't, I don't think you need to have this scene in here at all.
3: Well, it's like, I mean, and Stalin might my, my disagree with me, but I would feel, though, that Barbara Gordon, I know that there are instances where Barbara Gordon shuts herself off and gets, you know, cares about her work and stuff like that, but in this instance, I would imagine her to be a lot more empathetic. And a lot more, a lot more, just, a lot more emotional about it. I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know where, if I'm just making that up or whatever, but to me, it's like, this whole, you know, workaholic, like, you know, I can't think about the fact that Robin's dead now, I need to stop this, you know. I mean, if it was just James Jr., that was one thing. But, like, she's she's analyzing a brick. It's like, you know, I have more important things to do, like, you know, to analyze the, the dust off this mortar that nearly blew my ass up. It feels really just misplaced. It honestly feels like they don't know how to write the character. Even And, you know, okay, New 52, she's she's out of character, whatever. Like, then why have the cover? Because the cover...
1: Okay, the, but, but hold on, hold on, hold on. What? But is it really that they're not writing the character correctly, or is it that they just needed to get this response in the two pages to Damien being dead in order to warrant the Requiem cover, as I mentioned in the last issue. Because that's what it feels like. It just feels as if that was put in, the rest of the issue doesn't deal with it at all. There's just those two pages that say, Hey, guess what? Damien's dead. How are you going to react? I'm going to call Dick. All right, move on. Just like Detective Comics. Oh, guess what? Damien's dead. I'm standing in front of his his uh, his tombstone. Or not his tombstone. Who knows? Alfred makes a comment. Next page. There's one comment. Move on. Nothing gets well, okay. mentioned in the rest.
3: Can I interrupt? Th- 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 I think Detective Comics <laughs> is a different in- scenario because you're dealing with a character who's already and is going to deal with Damien's death in multiple comics. So there's actually leeway for him to deal with it in a, in a much smaller capacity in that in that title. This This... Batgirl, on the other hand, is a character who's just getting this information for the first time, and the cover is supposed to evoke the fact that that information actually means a damn to her. I mean, I've never seen a a larger disparity from a cover to a story in in this capacity in a long time. Now, I know for what this is that they want you to buy more issues so you can see Barbara not cry about this. But that says a lot about DC it, Comics. That's no, no, really no, no, bad.
1: no, no. But what is? I think you're looking at this from the wrong perspective. I think you're looking at this as the cover is supposed to reflect what's supposed to be happening in the book. And yes, that's normally of true. Of course it is. But how, but how many times have we seen that not be true? Okay. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm with Stella here. I really think that she didn't really have a relationship with Damien. So realistically, it would be feasible for her not to have a giant reaction to him dying. Am I saying that she should have had a better reaction than what was shown in this book? Yes. Do I think that the Damien death was shoehorned in the middle of this story? You better believe it. Well, okay, okay, okay. Let, let's just say this. Would you want Damien's
3: death to be referenced at all in this book or not? Forget about the cover. Did it have any place at all? Was was she ever supposed to find out? Or you to, is that supposed to be ignored because it's not the Damien title? It's the Batgirl
0: title. I think it, ag- I I think think it can be ignored, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary to be to be brought up. What's the point of bringing it up, especially if they're only going to bring it up for two pages and she doesn't actually react to it? I'm telling you, the reason why it's brought up is because they had that cover and they needed to have some kind of tie to Robin being dead. I know, I'm not stupid, but like the thing about but you're arguing that she's being written out of character because she's not reacting to it through the entire story. Yes, I am. Yeah. Cause I, I think that for Barbara Gordon, even in
3: that instance, it's because, because of the situation of the story, she's going after Firebug, Robin's dead, and she, like, she says, okay, back to Firebug. I think that's out of character. I know what the cover's supposed to do, and I know that like her relationship with Damien is one thing. Even still, I thought that the way they portrayed this was ridiculous.
1: And I, I, okay, and I think so I'm free to think let's that. Just, let's get to this. What, how do you think she? it should have been portrayed instead of saying it was being, it was portrayed wrong?
3: I think that she should have. A, I mean, I think that she would have a little bit more of an, of an internal conflict with it. At least carry over to at least another page or so. I mean, it's almost like she she just like just like you know they're letting up. You know, okay, and then I call Richard, and then like that's it. You know, it's it's just it's so it is so like in one ear and out the other to the point where like it's almost like do people even like you know think
1: about this in terms of character in character like like Damien? I mean, it's not like we know they don't think about this. We've already pointed out numerous times that the editors don't think about these things. Even when they mention these little, like we talked about with Detective Comics, they mention stuff that happened, you know, th- four months ago in Talon that doesn't even make take take place and make sense with what they're stating in this
3: book. <laughs> okay, okay, but Dustin, just because there's been a lot of editorial incompetence in the past doesn't mean that you got to excuse it in the future.
1: I'm not excusing it. I'm I'm stating that the reason why there's no reaction in this book for Damien Dying is because those two pages were shoehorned into the story and the you st- you're telling me that Ray Fox was brought on to the books to tell a two issue story arc and somehow he was also supposed to tell the story of her of Damien of Batgirl reacting to Damien Dying. No. I'm okay, no okay, okay. I'm sure he didn't even know that it was going to happen until he was, you know, writing up his his, his uh you know, right uh, he sent over the script and they're like, so you gotta include something here and then it was Two pages, just like we saw in Detective Comics, which I'm sure we'll see in multiple of these other Requiem-covered books.
0: <laughs> isn't this his last issue? Yeah. Why is... I mean, he's left this story completely open. Is this... like, what was the point of him coming on?
1: I don't know. The, well, the point was that he was originally supposed to do the story, and then it was they got Gil spun back.
2: <sighs> I'm just, like, in this apathetic state where, like, this isn't... Barbara Gordon. So you know, whatever this character does, it seems like that's what the character is going to do. So that's why I'm not too upset with her reaction. Basically,
3: this doesn't make sense. All right. Uh, the only the question I have, and this is probably it's is, is in the background tile. Um, and I was gonna, I brought this up earlier. What do you guys do? You guys have any reaction towards Batman telling this to Commissioner Gordon? I say it's because there's been precedent before when Jason died that he just kind of didn't talk about it at all to anybody. And I'm surprised that he would tell a member of the police force that, you know, oh, the 10-year-old boy that was with us died. Because there's been stories where uh, – I know, I know, dip continuity, whatever. But they've, it's been established that, like, the, the risk of, of Robin and, you know, like, the idea of Batman putting, like, someone's life in danger would have Gordon and the rest of the police go after him if that ever happened. So that's why I was, I was really surprised to see him tell Gordon straight up, hey, hey my my 10-year-old psychic died. Did you guys have any reaction to that, or did it not just, just kind of gloss over you?
0: I've already said I thought it was odd, more so because he told him rather than Bob, but I'm not sure if there's some kind of subtext there about, you know, death of the family, or if it's, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that Jim's had any more of a relationship to, I mean, he's probably had slightly more of a relationship to, Damien than Barbara has, but I'm not sure about any, you know, that much. He, he definitely didn't know him personally, so I, I don't really understand why. I mean, I, I don't think that Batman is one to talk about that sort of thing either. I think, you know, he's very internal, and if he did want to talk to anyone, it would be people like Alfred and, and Dick and people like that, so I, I don't know why he told Commissioner Gordon.
1: Alright, so back roll number 18, I'm going to give a total of 3 out of 5 ranks oh, 1 out of 5 ranks
2: Wow.
0: One out of five Batarangs.
2: Frankly, I gave this a four out of five. Well, it? I about thought it was better than other stuff, frankly.
1: All right, so Batgirl number 18 gets a total of two and a half out of five batterings. Let's move into our last book, Batman and Robin number 18. You can't let your emotions get the best of you.
2: Batman and Robin number 18, Undone. Writer, Peter J. Tomasi. Penciler, Patrick Gleason, Inker, Mick Gray. And colorist, John Kalitz. The pain of losing a child is greater than even the strongest person can endure. This pain speaks for itself more than any word can. While this issue is completely devoid of words, the images speak volumes. Bruce stares into a fire with Titus at his feet within Damien's room. He looks at Damien's book of sketches and finds a list of classic movies that Clark Kent must have recommended Damien. Alfred weeps while gazing upon the unfinished family portrait. Damien being the only unfinished part. Bruce puts the sheet down over the portrait and carries it off. Bruce goes down the bat poles and sees Damien racing him down, right beside him. Then he sees some blood dripping down the pole, but Damien isn't there. He visits the locker with Damien's costume and holds a green glove, then puts on his mask and goes away, passing in front of Jason's costume's case. Batman and Robin week across the skyline but Batman sees that Damien isn't reflected in an office building's window he then sits atop a lamppost Batman and Robin sit inside the Batmobile with Robin drinking water and anxiously awaiting some action Batman turns and he isn't there Batman hits a lamppost which was a strange scene I had to look at that a couple times and drives off he then is uncharacteristically brutal with the perps splicers and monstrous angly hulk dogs that he comes across in the early morning hours jim gordon receives a call from bullock and sees the bat signal lit upon arrival at the roof they discover a slew of bad guys tied up around the signal batman returns to the bat cave and titus bounds bounds towards the car but damien isn't there bruce goes to the showers and showers in his suit He goes to the lockers, and upon closing his own, knocks Robin's mask and a letter still sealed from the locker. The only words in this issue appear. Father, I'm sure you'll be angry with me for disobeying you again, but I don't care. I will not let you fight Leviathan alone. You need me, and I will always be at your side. Because it will be hard for me to say these words face to face, I want you to know that Mother may have given me life, but you taught me how to live. Love and respect, your son, Damien. Bruce goes into a rage, destroying the lockers, knocking all of Robin's costumes out, and bloodying his hands while Titus looks on. The final panel sees Bruce clutching the costume of Damien with a black background behind, boots and battering scattered about, and a Robin symbol at his feet. My fir- I have three questions. Well, they're sort of a bunch in this first one but this is all general did this wordless issue have a greater impact of the loss how did the images help to portray the pain felt following the loss of Damien and which were your favorite images so did this have a greater impact how did the images actually help portray the pain and which images are your favorite
1: I'll start with. Um, I think that no words in the entire issue, except for that letter, were was perfect, and it portrayed the emotion. I think more than any words or narration could have portrayed it. Um, this was a really good issue, and as the story progressed, it was almost as if he was he was dealing with the 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 different stages of grief, at, well, not necessarily in the order. The, the correct order, but he was dealing with different stages of grief throughout this entire issue. Um, as far as the favorite image that I had was probably the family portrait that we saw being drawn in Batman number 1 and Damien Unfinished. I thought that was probably the most powerful one as Alfred uh, was tearing up to it and Bruce takes it away because he doesn't want it displayed Anymore, so I think that ultimately, um, well, that was my favorite favorite image.
0: I definitely feel that the wordless issue worked, and I think, like Dustin said, it the the storytelling in Patrick Gleason's art was so good that it it, it did far more than what words could have done. I unfortunately didn't like this as much as I wanted to. I felt that in some sequences, it felt like it was going on a bit too long, perhaps, or there was was something about it that sometimes it felt unfinished without words. And I think that was perhaps panels like seeing him yell without any speech bubbles, even though it wouldn't have worked with a, a yell in there it It was odd um i I think that the art is really strong throughout, although unfortunately, I think that the page of him yelling directly after the you see the the letter is a bit too exaggerated it because I think the, the i mean the letter really hit me hard. I was actually starting to well up reading that, and I don't I think. I've, I've rarely had that strong a reaction to a comic book before, maybe once, maybe twice before. And then having that panel after it took away slightly, because it's so over the top. Um, as for favourite panels, although I think it's a really sad panel, uh, seeing Titus looking sad when uh, when Batman is trashing the the lockers, because I know that dogs have that kind of that sense of I mean they, they sort of sense how you're feeling and, and they they get sad when you're sad and I mean I, I've lost you know family members and stuff and, and my dog is almost comforting the way they, they sense that vibe and, and uh, it was it was a sad panel because you see Bruce you know he doesn't react to it but you, you see Titus' reaction and I think that was sad so I hope that Titus plays a part in, in the book in the future because I think that he'd be a good companion for Bruce. But I, I did I did really like the issue, but it was not quite as much as I, I was hoping going into it.
2: I love that it's wordless. I think that uh, words certainly have, have power and meaning behind them, but I think images are oftentimes able to push that even further. And growing up, some of my favorite books to read as a child were certainly just the picture books, because I love how you could use your imagination to create that story. Then you can sort of look at these panels and really think, oh, you know, what's the mission that they're going out on? Why is Damien so excited? You know, what is Bruce thinking about as he sees all of this? Um, so it's almost the thought behind it, and really looking into the expressions and everything, and, and I just think it's really powerful. Uh, so I think it does definitely push that that grief. Um, so one of the hardest panels for me to look at was just the portrait scene with um, with Alfred. Uh, crying, you couldn't even see his eyes because they were you know, so shaded out and, and crying and then Bruce puts it over and the only unfinished person was Damien uh, almost as if, you know like very symbolically, he was the only sort of unfinished Batman family because all of the other ones have sort of grown up and they're on their own or, or leading their own team and then we had Damien still sort of learning um Just, you know, as he said in there, learning how to live, not only be Robin, but how to be an actual boy. Uh, So being unfinished and pulling that away, I think that was definitely a really hard one. Two of my favorites are the one where they're leaping across, the red sky with the bats across. Uh, going across there, and uh, the last one, just it's so poignant, and and it almost looks like he's holding Damien because the, the costume is sort of molded to the way it is. Uh, but I, I love the fact that Batman, in all of these memories that he has of him, and seeing him across from him, they're all really happy and positive memories. None of them are any of the ones where he had shown displeasure towards him, or, you know, when Damien killed nobody, always seeing sort of the best in his son. So I thought that that was really great. My second question is, how does this issue uh, slash Batman's actions in it? Because he gets kind of rough in that one double, uh, that, that splash. How do does this issue in Batman's actions compare to other deaths that Batman has experienced? So definitely Jason, you know, I'm pulling up that one. Uh, but there could be other other deaths that he's experienced. How does this compare?
3: Well, uh, I think that this is the best issue in terms of a uh, bereavement that uh, Batman or any of the characters have gotten. Uh, in fact, I think that this is one of the best Batman issues in years. Um, I think that it's it's interesting because there's a lot of automatic and understandable similarities between this and Death of the Family, but uh, Peter Tomasi has managed to make this uh understandably fresh because he emphasizes with this title on this issue that it's not just, Oh A Robin died but Damien is gone and that specifically really gnaws at Batman because um uh I wrote in my review that like it Damien had so much potential and was and was, you know, coming coming to terms with Batman's lifestyle and was sort of like he kinda started out as the farthest away from the Robins in terms of, you know, you know, being the, the, the ideal crime fighter to like, he had, he had the farthest way to go and he made it the farthest, uh, in terms of growing. Um, so a lot of Batman's sorrow and his rage, I feel in this issue was reflective upon his, the his outrage that a lot of what Damien could have become is taken away from him. Not just the pat answer of him, him being dead or, uh, or Robin being gone, but just like, you know, his son the type of person that his son was and the fact that his son was, you know, who he was at the time of his death really gets to Bruce. I think that, like, uh, how it's illustrated throughout the story where he finally really breaks down at the end. I mean, he gets angry, he, he destroys the lamppost, he attacks all the villains, but at the end after he reads that letter, you can, t- I feel through um, Gleason's heart that um, he really just loses all sense of just anything and just completely, uh, just, uh, just, is just broken. I think this is most broken we've ever really seen, Bruce, in a long time up to this point. And I think that uh, this issue is easily the best in terms of this kind of story, in terms of Batman experiencing loss that there's ever been. Like, I think this is flat out the best. I don't think there's any comparison towards this and any other
2: thing that has come before. I My final question then uh, is how does this issue compare to the other Requiem issues that we have seen thus far?
1: I think it's the complete opposite because it not only deals with the fact that Damien died, but it deals with the character's reaction to Damien dying rather than just having a very small. Batman kind of dealt with it in the fact that he's, you know, going out and trying to get all these criminals rounded up for no other purpose just to keep himself busy, so maybe he's not thinking about it. But I think this issue is. This is probably the most detailed experience of what Bruce is dealing with compared to any other book that has released or will release in the next two weeks so I think overall this book was the one that probably deserved the Requiem cover the most and it was it was definitely the best story of all these other Requiem tie-ins
0: I, I definitely agree, I think that next to this all the other issues are going to have a really hard time li- living up to this standard um, I, I just hope that Batman Inc. can do as good a job, although I guess they'll be carrying on, or Grumman will be carrying on that, the story and the, the action in that. So, in a way, now that we've had this, it won't matter so much if we don't see his reaction straight away, because I think this issue did such a good job. Um, I think that the word the wordless definitely helped that aspect just because of how it takes away any clichés, and I think that's really important and makes it feel a bit more original and yeah i I just think like you said out of all the titles so far that deserve it it's it's definitely this one and
2: yeah definitely agree um i could almost really deal with nothing being mentioned in any of the other books uh because i think that this really is the the peak the the climax of it all and you can't really beat this so great issue poignant powerful emotional (laughs) Uh, said that you know the circumstances but it did a great job and without any words except for that one part
1: all right so batman and robin number 18 i'm going to give maybe my first perfect five ever five out of five batarangs best issue
3: in years possibly decades five out of five batarangs
0: like i said i didn't enjoy this as much as i i wanted to and i really did want to i'm just just something about the wordless. There was just something about it that it, it didn't quite feel right with me. But like I said earlier, I've so rarely had such an emotional reaction to anything in a comic book or to be honest any media form that this has to be a five just for that letter.
2: Uh and guess what, people? I'm also gonna give it a five out of five. Wonderful.
1: So that's so that is the first Perfect five, at least in recent memory, for a bat book. Five out of five batterings for Batman and Robin number eighteen. That is all of our books. Let's throw over to John with Bat Books for Beginners. <laughs>
4: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bat Books for Beginners. I am your host John and this episode we're taking a look at the Shadow of the Bat issues of Batman Aftershock. This runs through issues 75, 76, 77, 78 and 79 of Shadow of the Bat. And it's written by Alan Grant and features art by Ted Buckingham. A bit of a brief backstory if you're only just caught up, Gotham has suffered a huge earthquake which is told in the storyline Cataclysm and Aftershock pretty much deals with the after effects of the earthquake and how Gotham's residents are coping as well as Batman and some of the other superheroes based in the city. As you might be well aware, I've been pretty damning on some of this stuff, especially Cataclysm, which I didn't think was particularly good. But I think it's really picked up with Aftershock, especially in last episode's collection, which was the Detective Comics. So will this be as good as Detective, or will we be facing another section of Batman comics? Let's find out as we delve into Batman Shadow of the Bat Aftershock. Issue 75 opens with Batman trying to stop a man jumping off the roof. Batman loses patience and wraps him up using a batarang. He swings off and we get shots of people Batman was unable to save. He moves through the city and comes across a man frozen in ice. We then cut to Clayface who appears to have fallen into a chasm. He discovers an opening and climbs out. The issue then moves to Batman again who, through narration captions, explains that Freeze was in transit when the earthquake struck and he was able to break out and has now gone on a crime spree in the town killing half a dozen people. We then move back to Clayface, who emerges from the chasm. He kills some rescuers before they can report him, and he goes in search of Batman. We then return to Batman, who has discovered where Freeze is. He breaks in, and after a short fight, takes Victor down. However, before Batman can bring Freeze in, he is attacked by Clayface clayface explains that when batman got the looker to overload his new powers he caused clayface to fall through the center of the earth only stopping when he hit a quartz pit there he absorbed the properties of the quartz into himself they fight and clayface gets the better of batman however just as clayface is about to kill bruce free stops him saying that only he can kill batman all three fight attacking each other However, Batman eventually drops an advertising board onto Clayface, knocking him out. Whilst during the fight, Vixter's suit was ruptured and he asks for diamonds to power it up. However, Batman instead uses his freeze ray to stop Freeze from escaping before the police arrive. And the issue ends with the jumper telling Batman he won't jump. 71 was a special issue, so there is in fact actually a backup as well, and that's also by Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. This is the story of the man who was going to jump. It opens with his son jumping towards him and he fails to catch his son and the boy is paralyzed. He then moves to a shop where he works and he is threatened by two men demanding protection money. He refuses and gets beaten up by them. And the woman he works with then comforts him and, all of a sudden, kisses him as well. He returns home and his wife discovers that he was kissed by the woman because of some lipstick on a tissue. However, their argument is prevented by their daughter coming in, saying that there are some lights like the northern lights outside their house. His son speaks again, saying that it's pretty. This affects the man so much that he recants how miserable he's been and invites his family over to say that he's been changed. They begin a meal, but it's interrupted by the earthquake, which kills his entire family. Issue 76 opens with Batman swinging over a large gap into an upper-class area of Gotham to search for survivors. He moves through the town and stops a robbery of a gun shop. We then cut to a group of people who were celebrating a birthday party when the quake happened, and now have become trapped. They decide that to survive, they must eat someone. They draw lots, and a man loses. He's given some brandy and paper to make a will. However, he smashes the bottle and says that he won't be the one to die. Meanwhile, Batman is attacked by a big cat that has escaped from a private zoo. Whilst this is happening, the man who is meant to die kills another man. However, before they they can eat the man who has just been killed, Batman arrives and rescues them. Batman asks where the man Ralph, whose party it is, is, and the woman he asks confesses that they ate Ralph on the seventh day. Issue 77 opens with a blindfolded Batman walking out onto a ledge. He is forced to by a man in a green suit who was a former professor. It then cuts back to 15 minutes before the incident, where Batman breaks up a looting gang. He jades one of them into a university, where he breaks into a class being held by the professor. However, the entire class was killed in the earthquake, and the professor has gone mad with grief. He forces Batman to do a number of activities blindfolded, to prove that life is dictated simply by chance, and not by evolution or God. However, whilst the Professor is distracted, the looter attacks him and knocks the Professor into a crevice. Batman saves the Professor, but the looter is also knocked into the pit and is crushed by some falling rubble. And the issue ends with Batman knocking out the Professor in anger over what the Professor is declaring. Issue 78 begins with something that sees in heat vision stalking a man. He grabs him and reaches into his mind, seeming to wipe him. We then move to Batman in the Batcave, talking to Alfred about the rising crime problem. However, Alfred reminds him that he can't do anything about it now, as he has a meeting with Lucius Fox. The comic cuts to a man sat on a bed, saying that he wants his job and self-esteem back. His family force him to get up and it actually benefits him as he is picked by Bruce Wayne to work for him. The man called James is taken to a meeting where the agenda is the abandonment of Gotham by corporations. We then cut to the Mad Hatter who has returned to Gotham in search of his technology. Meanwhile, in the meeting, evidence is presented by Bruce Wayne's seismologist, that shows that the earthquake that hit Gotham was a -a once-in-a-lifetime event and that businesses are not pulling out of other earthquake-prone cities, but they are of Gotham. However, despite this, they still make no progress until James stands up. He says that they all need each other. They work for the companies who pay them wages, and they then buy their goods and buy the companies leaving Gotham, they will ruin everything. However this still has little effect, so Bruce also speaks of how this is his city and he doesn't want to abandon it. Yet even this fails to sway the other owners and they stand by the decision to leave. We then cut back to the Mad Hatter who has found his hat, however is he interrupted by a masked man who quickly knocks them all out. The Marsman Man then searches the Mad Hatter's thug's minds, but finding nothing but evil, wipes them so that they would experience nothing but bliss. The villain tells Jervis that his plan is to bring joy to all the people of Gotham. Issue 79 concludes the story from Issue 78. We pick up with a villain known as Narcosis, and Jervis Tech talking about hats. The Hatter says that he wants Narcosis' hat. He agrees, and him and the Hatter leave Tetch's hideout. We then cut to Batman searching Gotham's mental hospital ruins for Nar- Narcosis' body. He doesn't find it, confirming that the villain is loose and is preparing to poison Gotham. Meanwhile, James is talking to the people at a local shelter, telling them that Wayne Corporation is willing to fund start-up businesses which a number of people take him up on. It then moves back to Narcosis and Hatter, who have found a large collection of oxygen and butane, which Narcosis needs to create his gas cloud to bring bliss to Gotham. We then cut back to Batman, who, through Oracle, finds that Narcosis is at AZ Chemical Works. He heads over, but arrives slightly too late as Narcosis has already started producing the cloud. Batman destroys the chimney and the source of the gas cloud, but there is still a sizable amount of it heading towards Gotham. However, whilst Batman has been hunting them, it turns out that the Hatter has knocked out Narcosis and taken his hat. But on the arrival of Batman, Jervis awakens Narcosis, and gets him to distract Batman whilst he slips a control hat onto him. However, it has no effect, and in desperation, Hatter shoots at Batman. He misses and hits a butane barrel instead, which obviously explodes, and Batman uses this to take down the Mad Hatter, whilst a helicopter disperses the gas cloud. So that is Batman Aftershocks, the Shadow of the Bat issues. There are actually a lot of pros. This is pretty much what I hoped the other series would have been. This is Batman dealing with big villains in a ruined Gotham. And that was something that I've wanted really from the start. It was exciting and interesting. And I enjoyed both storylines dealing with Freeze, Clayface and the Mad Hatter. I actually would have preferred these to have been a little bit longer in both cases. And we could have had some more character development... And it wouldn't have felt as short as it did. But at the same time, we also had two issues that were about people dealing with life in Gotham. And this was also interweaved into the bigger story arcs. And I think ultimately it strikes a better balance than the other two series that we have looked at so far. Alan Grant, I think, is a great writer and he gets a good balance between Bruce and Batman. His characterization for all the characters was really good. I actually feel that it's a shame that we don't find out more about James and the result of Bruce's supporting people setting up a small business. I was actually quite interested in that storyline, and I thought it was a nice touch as a way of solving the problem of getting Gotham back on its feet. However, I wouldn't say that it's a crucial storyline, so I think something that other people would probably say is pretty superfluous if you're looking for simply action-packed Batman adventures. I enjoyed the artwork as well. Gotham looked like the art in Detective, looking like a beaten, damaged and wrecked city, which I thought was really, really nice. However, I would have liked more of Batman being unsure and his footings like we saw in Detective. I think that was a really, really nice touch in that artwork and it would have been nice to have seen it carry over onto this series and in fact also onto Batman and Batman Chronicles and Robin which is the two issues we'll be looking at next week I think the only real issue that I have with it is with people's faces everyone seemed to have very long narrow faces no matter what their body type was and at times it does look really, really odd and quite strange. Not everybody has the same face. Now, I appreciate not everybody can draw or has the time to draw multiple different faces. But it would have nice, been nice to have some variety in there. But really, that's the only major gripe that I have with this issue. And for me, it's actually slightly better than the detective run. So I'm going to give this four and a half out of five Batarangs. I do recommend that you pick this up. And I'd probably recommend you pick up. Detective as well. If you're going to do that at the same time. Though stand by my statement. But I wouldn't really bother with Batman. So that's Batman Aftershock. Shadow of the Bat issues. So that was. Batman Aftershock Shadow of the Bat. Now just before I go. I have a very brief announcement. We're going to be uh, changing some things on this podcast so if you're listening to this in the comic cast this is what you'll be getting you're going to still get the recap of the comics and you're also going to get my review of the comic as well but that will be all you're going to get and instead what we're going to do is in the separate feed for this podcast about books for beginners if you're not subscribing it to it on itunes i highly recommend that you go do it now because that's where we're going to be featuring listener feedback and mail so if you have something that you want to say do you disagree with my review do you agree with my review do you want me to review something or do you just want to share an opinion about the comic then do feel free to leave a message and that message will then be included in the in the podcast over on the bat books for beginners separate so thanks very much for listening and i will now hand you back over to dustin and the guy
1: all right so that was bat books for beginners just so you know if you listen to john's uh, ending message at the end of the uh, Bat Books for Beginners. We are extending the feed over on, or the extending the episode of Bat Books for Beginners actually over on the actual feed and the individual podcast for Bat Books for Beginners, and we will start to include listener Q&As over there reviewing some of the books that he's he's done in the past. He'll start discussing some of those listener Q&As. So if you listen to it here, be sure to still go over to the website and comment individually on the Bat Books for Beginners episodes on that specific podcast feed, even if you are only listening to it here so that you can be sure to get your questions and answers answered in the next episode. Those questions and answer sections will be exclusive to the individual feed and not appear on the comic cast. So be sure to subscribe to the individual Bat Books for Beginners feed over on iTunes, and obviously the website.
4: Watch yourselves, man. These
1: guys are crazy. So with that, that's going to get us right straight into listener Q&As. We do have a bunch of things to go over, so I'm going to try to do these, try to briefly go over some of these. Uh, first off, Dave says, Another great episode, guys, and another example of the newer format being such a great thing for the podcast as the discussions for all three books were great, especially the discussion for Batman Incorporated. Thank you, Dave. We really appreciate that. Kevin says... To be honest, I was pretty upset when I heard Damien was going to be killed because I've grown to like the character a lot, but maybe this will be a way to bring the others closer to Batman. What do you think of that?
2: Well, it hasn't worked out so far. I mean,
1: uh-huh. <laughs>
2: it, if anything, it'll make it equal because or equalize it because the state of things after death of the family showed that it's in disrepair, the whole family, and that they're staying away from Bruce for whatever dumb reason. So, if anything, it'll bring them back to them, but I don't know if it'll be closer because it, it seems like a lot of stuff has been ruined um, from Joker's meddling. I don't think.
3: I don't think. Uh, the current Batman books are interested in having the the characters become closer.
2: <laughs> That's sad. I,
0: I would yeah. say we got some really great uh, questions from this. I was looking at the comments, and some of them are great. But uh, I guess if we're going with them in order, uh, yeah, I, I you would have thought that it would bring them close together. So far, it hasn't happened, but hopefully, in the future, you know. But uh, we'll have to see how I mean, if Scott Snyder's running off to his zero year, then I can't really seeing I can't really see the death of the family playing out that much in the past. So I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen if, if he's expecting the other writers to carry that theme on of the family disintegrating or what, but you definitely would have thought that Robin dying would bring them closer together as a family, just for support.
1: Yeah, my thoughts on this was basically, um, I'm not sure what the intent, what well, we already talked about it. in Death of the Family, I'm not real sure. And we we pretty much determined that the death of the family was just basically breaking them apart because of the secrets that Bruce was hiding, whether or not that was a warranted reason to actually do it, or if it was because there was some behind the the panel type things where we didn't actually see it like the things that joker whispered to them and things like that that was never actually explored who knows um as far as the death of damien well i'll tell you one thing if it goes the way it's been going for the at least these first two weeks worth of books for the the requiem i don't think it's going to pan out real well as far as being able to bring them closer together I do believe that Batman Incorporated and Batman Robin are in their own little sub-universe within the Batman Mm -hmm. universe, and all the other books are pretty much doing their own Mm -hmm. thing in some way, shape, or form, because for the most part, well, one, Batman Robin ties into very directly what's happening in Batman Incorporated most of the time, but also, Batman Robin is going to start exploring the relationship between Bruce and these other characters in these next five issues, so we've seen that. Or so knowing that that's going to happen means he's going to have to at least be with these people, which contra is contrary to everything we've seen in all of these other books. Which actually brings me to the next uh, comment here. Rob says that he goes through, and he doesn't really have a question, but he specifically does state a number of different things about the five characters that Bruce will be teaming up in Batman Robin. So he says, first, sometimes covers are just there to make you grab the book and say, what the hell? Okay. Let's look at the five stages of grief. Each member of the bat family will embrace or bring out characteristics from each of these stages. Each of the characters appear in reverse order of when they were introduced. Stage one, denial, red Robin. Tim came in at a time when he was at his lowest after the death of Jason. Makes sense. It's fitting that Tim is there again for him. This first stage of grieving helps us to survive the loss. In this stage, the world becomes meaningless and overwhelming. Life makes no sense. We are in a state of shock and denial. We go numb, and we wonder how we can go on, if we can go on, and why we should go on. Stage two, anger, Red Hood. Who else to help him through this stage but then the one member who is always angry? Underneath anger is pain. Your pain, it is... Underneath anger is pain. Your pain. It is natural to feel deserted and abandoned. But we live in a society that fears anger. Anger is strength, and it can be made, or it can't, and it can be an anchor, giving temporary structure to the nothingness of loss. Stage three: bargain, backroll. For someone that I assume must have been bargaining. I.e., before a loss, it seems like you will do anything if only your loved one would be spared. Please, God, you bargain. I will never be angry at my blank, 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 again, if you will just heal him or her or let them live. After a loss, bargaining may take the form of a temporary truce. What if I devote the rest of my life to helping others? Then can I wake up and realize this has all been a bad dream? I imagine Barbara must have felt this way. So I think that she will help with that. Stage 4, Depression. Catwoman, this depressive state feels as though it will last forever. It is important to understand that this depression is not a sign of mental illness. It is appropriate response to a great loss. We withdraw from life, left in a fog of intense sadness, wondering perhaps if there is any point in going on alone. Why go on at all? Catwoman could represent the contact that he needs to snap him out of his depression. Stage 5. Acceptance. Nightwing. Nightwing, er, acceptance is often confused with the notion of being alright or okay with what has happened. This is not the case. Most people don't ever feel okay or alright about the loss of a loved one. This stage is about accepting the reality that our loved one is physically gone and recognizing that this new reality is a permanent reality. We will never like this reality or make it okay, but eventually we accept it. We learn to live with it. It is the new norm with which we must learn to live. We must try to live now in a world where our loved one is missing. I know that both Bruce and Dick have lost parents, but Dick was older than Bruce. And maybe the voice of you did it once, so did I, twice with Jason. And you can come out of the other side functioning again. I am telling you, and then he goes on to say, I am telling you Harper-Roe, or as I say, Harper-Robin, is coming. Snyder has said in a few interviews that Harper is going to have a big part in the life of Batman. He uh, he has said this in the interviews that uh, about the first introduction of the character. I'm not happy about it, but it's coming. I dare say Huntress will give Harper her Earth Two Robin costume, an idea that would kind of be fitting. But I think it's poor that she was created to, the same way Damien was to be Robin. I think Tim should just come back. But oh well, an issue of an issue. Of Batman eighteen will be seen through the eyes of Harper. I would rather have Damian back, but I hated Damian at first. But now I have grown to love him. Tim will always be my fave, but we shall see. So he's got a lot there. We're not really going to discuss the stages of uh, the the grief that he mentioned, but he does mention the one thing I do want to talk about is. What do you think about the idea of Huntress giving Harper over Earth to Robin costume? Mm. Yes. Yes.
2: So you'll accept oh. that, but you won't accept her being Robin? What's the difference?
3: No, I just said that facetiously. Oh, um, okay. Well, has Huntress... I'm sorry. Has Huntress, has Huntress of this continuity interacted with Batman yet? Our Batman?
0: She has interacted with Damien. Yeah. I,
3: know, yeah. I, know, I, know, I know that she's done that. Um... And, you know, it depends because, you know, like, that could happen, but I don't know, like, like what's her feelings towards Harper Row? What's her feelings towards there being another Robin? It kind of, that's sort of a loaded question.
0: I mean, there's, I guess, potential in it if they're the same size. <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting idea. Um, but, yeah, I think his idea of um, the Fire Sages of Grief is a really interesting one. And, yeah, I mean, it, it would definitely make sense. Um, but, yeah, as for, I mean... I think we were saying earlier that Harper's definitely going to play a role, but we're not sure yet what that's going to be. If it is Robin, that then that that could make sense. But at the same time, what's stopping you know Alfred just making another one as he does so often? And like Don was saying, I don't think Huntress has had any interaction with Batman so far. So why why she'd need to get involved enough? Well, then if it plays into world's finest number 18 and suddenly she's got some huge connection to batman and thinks that oh well he's going to need another robin then it's got more potential but it seems fairly unlikely from, a, from a, a realistic standpoint
2: world's finest 10 you mean
1: all right so next up Jay says my first reaction to damien's death was to wonder if batman and robin will be cancelled which I'm sure it will be after it concludes its guest star run. As for Harper Row, I wouldn't mind her being Robin after some long character development and at least a year or two without Robin in Batman's life. In Nightwing, the only problem I had with the art was the faces. The artists didn't have any sense with how to draw them in perspective, and the features were inconsistent. I have no idea where this Sonya Branch thing is supposed to go. The character has always seemed sinister since her... Introduction in Black Mirror. The last arc, with the destruction of Halley's was just so anticlimactic. There is all this development, but no payoff in sight. So I have this feeling this Sonya Branch situation if going, is going to go nowhere. And in Batman the Dark Knight, I'm interested to see how this Med Hatter story will turn out. He's always some crazy potential because of his mind control technology. I've never really paid much attention to him because of his basis on a public domain character. All in all, I'm still bummed about the death of Damien. He was an interesting character and one that I was eager to see develop as Robin to Bruce's Batman. Batman and Robin is one of my favorite books, and I have been enjoying seeing the relationship develop, father and son, as well as Batman and Robin. However, again, there is not going to be any payoff to the relationship Because he was going, because he was killed off. So I'm eager to see how related characters are going to deal with the passing in their various titles. Even though I know it's a ploy and thinly valid attempt to buy unrelated books. World's finest, I'm looking at you. Nevertheless, I'm going to get them anyways as I'm still grieving. Uh, So as we already pointed out, obviously the thin, valid attempt to buy unrelated books, not not that far off, as a prediction that was made on March 11th. Yeah,
0: and I, th- I think the main reaction to the to Damian's death is going to come from the Batman and Robin, or or Batman and Red Robin slash Nightwing slash Catwoman slash whoever they are getting involved. Title and uh, Stella seemed upset by it, but I, I, I can't see where this title would go afterwards because it you can't have a Batman and Robin title and you can't just take that out. You can't just have like Batman and or Batman because that's taken. So I'm, I'm not sure where we go. I mean, I don't want to lose Peter Tomasi. I definitely don't, but unless they find another book for him in the Batman universe, I, I think he'll be leaving it.
1: All right. So next up, John says, thanks for another great podcast. You've made some good points on positive things about Batman Inc. number eight. When I first read it, I couldn't enjoy it because I was so ticked about the spoiler. Thanks for giving me a reason to reread it and give it a chance it deserved. Thanks, guys. We appreciate your, your nice remarks. Hopefully, um, there's other books that have been able to, we've been able to convince you to read too. That's always a plus. I hope you (laughs) like Batman. All right, and finally, Alex says, Excellent podcast as always. The reason why I didn't continue reading Batman and Robin was because I felt it was backtracking in Damien's character development, and being that you guys weren't giving it the highest reviews, I dropped it. I wasn't a big fan of the title after Grant Morrison left, so being that I was underwhelmed by the first few issues, I decided to invest my time in other comics. I was getting my Batman and Robin fix from Batman Incorporated anyways. A title I disliked pre-New 52. However, I was wrong about picking it up at Death of the Family. Uh, however, I was wrong about picking it back up at Death of the Family. I picked it up again at issue number 8 and then went back and reread the other issues. At that point, he became one of my favorite comic book characters and he is now my second favorite character of current comic books. Tim, what have they done to you? I dropped Nightwing, Batgirl, and Red Hood and picked up picked them up again for Death of the Family along with Teen Titans and Suicide Squad because I thought they were important to the story. However, after reading most of the recent issues, I was still underwhelmed by those titles. I'm going to keep reading Batgirl and Red Hood for Jason Mm -hmm. now. Dick Grayson is in my top three characters comic book characters, but I'm just not digging Nightwing title right now. The odd thing is that the title has been better than those. However, I think there's been a lot more interesting ideas in background Red Hood, just bad execution. Unless Kyle Higgins decides to step up his game. If I can't get Chuck Dixon, I would rather I would really want Scott Snyder to write Nightwing. I agree with all of you on Batman Incorporated number eight. Damien's death felt real sudden and I think Death of the Family really influenced my opinion. It was a great issue, but with the leak and having no, re- no real repercussions and the downtime from that event, it made it seem odd. In retrospect, it makes sense and was well done, but unfortunately, I had those factors weighing in. I never knew about Damien dying from any comic-related source. I found out through some news site. I think that's ridiculous. That's another factor. Luckily, the next issue of Batman Robin made up for it. It's one of the most respectful comic books I ever read. So obviously we already reviewed that, so we are in agreement there, Alex. I think that uh, the the big thing in my mind is it's interesting to see what you are picking up and what you think is is interesting compared to you know other people.
0: I definitely agree with what he says about Batman and Robin because at the start I was very disenfranchised with it. After uh, even uh, I, I even quite liked um, Paul Cornell's run on it. But uh, and at the start of the New Fifty two I felt that he really had uh Damien really had regressed to his, his base character in Batman the Sun, which was the Damien that I don't think anybody really liked, but over the course of the series he really became the character that we, we loved from the from Morrison's Batman and Robin. So I, I definitely agree with him that, although I, I'm a bit surprised that he's Reading Back and Red Hood for each to their own.
1: Alright, so one of the things I want to encourage you, the listeners, since you are doing a great job of sending us comments on the podcast, one of the things we'd really like to see is what you would actually rate the books that we're rating. So we can kind of see what other people are thinking about the books. Obviously, it's still out of the five batterings with half batterings available. So if you're leaving your comments, just do a little wrap up at the end of your comments with your ratings of the books that we rated which the list would obviously be in the uh, timestamps for the episode at the top of the post on the website. So be sure to email us if you have any questions.
0: And and also, I mean, yeah, send in your reviews and also say, you know, if, if you disagree with us because we'd love to hear your opinions yeah. and if there's anything that we all seem to think is is wrong in the books or or right in the books and you think differently then we'd be interested to hear your opinions on that if there's anything we missed
1: yeah we definitely all don't want we don't want everybody to think that you need to agree with us we'd like to hear some differing opinions because i know there are some people out there who really enjoy certain books that some of us really do not enjoy so we'd love to hear your responses because we tend as a group be it to be on the same page but it would be interesting to hear different opinions and your reasoning behind your different opinions not just uh you're completely wrong about battle um and you're you're all wrong we'd love to hear why you think we're wrong because that would make an interesting discussion especially if you had valid points that you presented then we could discuss that and discuss why we think that is something that maybe we overlooked or something that we still think is is not a valid point so Email us podcast at the and send or post your your posts on the actual website, and uh, we will make sure to read those on the next episode. So that is everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to not only the comics but also movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news. You can also check out all the other podcasts we have to offer, including uh, Backworld Oracle, which will soon be featured on. Batman on the Batman net's website. Um, Stella, if you want to tell everybody real quick what is happening.
2: Uh, so basically, what's going to happen is uh, the new home, I guess, will be uh, the Batman Universe, but it's still going to be B- Batgirl to Oracle is still its own thing. But this way, I can lend my time more towards making articles and things like that for the Batman Universe, since of course the news that I normally put on is really the same that's been. Uh, captured by the batman universe as well so instead of reduplicating everything uh so what we're gonna do the feed may change slightly uh but i'm gonna let everyone know what that new feed will be uh on the next episode and the old feed will stay up uh for a certain amount of time and get everyone that transition period to to get over so yeah i mean it shouldn't be too Rough of a transition, but I hope that in this move that you guys uh, stick with me and uh, move with me.
1: And if you're listening to this podcast, it's not it's not as if we're we're asking you to do anything that you're not already doing. We're just telling you that there's, there's a new location for the podcast. All the old episodes will still be present, and Stella will continue to produce new episodes. They will just be located on the Batman universe instead of being on a separate site in order to kind of bring all of the different podcasts that we have to offer in one place. So in addition to that, you can also check out Taking Flight, which is the podcast dedicated to the Robins by Tom. You can also take a listen to the Batman Universe specials for a special that Dom produced, and he can tell you about that real quick.
3: Yeah, we uh, a lot of us, uh, including the people you're hearing on in this episode, and uh, Ed and John, from another uh, podcast, and Tom Paneris from the Technique Fight podcast all came around to talk about all the Robins, um, all six Robins. You can find that out when you listen to the uh, episode on the Batman Universe specials. Um, and we had a lot of fun, so go there, and uh, when you get to the end, rank uh, the Robins in your favor and how you uh, like them all from top to bottom.
1: All right, and then in addition to that, as I mentioned earlier, the point five episode for March's books will release in early April, so we will be getting back to reviewing all of those books that we are no longer reviewing on this, um, between us, but we do have two co-hosts, Ed, you've heard on numerous specials in the past, but we have another co-host that has come on board, so we have the .5 episode that we'll release in early April f- to cover all of the other Batman Universe books from the month of March. That is pretty much everything. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and join the Facebook group to discuss all of the things related to the Batman universe and to find out all the latest news from the Batman universe. And you can always leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is
3: Donovan. This is Jay.
2: And this is Stella.
1: You've been listening to the Batman universe comic podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Yes, we will.
3: Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. Sound off. <laughs> Ruined everything. <laughs> That's all we did. What the I don't think she had a mic. She was strangling it. If Damien's dead now, will he not appear in Little Gotham, do you think?
0: Or would, would it matter? I I don't know. Um I would say it wouldn't matter, but then DC did change that Stephanie image Brown. of stash. <laughs>
1: We then see in the Gotham Narrows, Harper dressing up in what appears to be the cat girl suit from Tony Daniels run on. No. On, not again. Is it just me or did anybody else think that? But later in the Gotham. <laughs> I just like how much
0: you were chuckling because you know you were pissing Donald. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stop well. Later, I think it's more of the fact, like I said, it's just the timing. This is really bad timing to have this new character. Who just happens to put on a cat suit and go follow around Batman, and decide to help Batman out by, you know, shooting some guy in the cross with a taser? I find it just really poor timing. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly.
2: Well, I don't know what other time is. What it, what was, what would be your ideal time?
1: Well, I mean, let's just say it happened last month before Damien was dead. Yeah. We, we've been looking at this a completely different perspective. Yeah. I wouldn't be looking at this as, oh, she's going to replace Damien. Oh, I see. Because Damien wasn't dead.
0: Yeah. We, we might look at it retrospectively as that, but yeah, in the time it would be. you
1: yeah. probably say, is it Harper real awesome? Yeah. That's what then we probably would have been saying why couldn't they use, why why do we have Harper Rowe and we're not using characters like Stephanie Brown or Cassandra Cain? That's probably what we would have been saying if this <laughs> happened a month ago before D. <laughs> That's most surely
3: what we would have been saying.
0: <laughs> we're so predictable. So there you go, still.
2: Yay.
1: It would actually probably be really bad if you gave the one where he died a five, but you gave the one where Bruce Reacts a four and a half.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. And it's me.
1: Have a nice day.